Well, it's a great Monday here on 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas and Ben Troop, glad you are with us. Thanks for making us a part of your day. We'll chat with Emory Hunt coming up in hour number two of the program from my football game plan. Is talking about Dion. Is Dion making Jackson State better? Is he boosting the reputation of Jackson State? Is he boosting it, the reputation of HBCUs or is it neither? It's just prime. Talk to him about that uh, coming up in just a little bit. Falcons and Jags going through mini camps uh, this week. Of course, uh, the all always uh, of note mandatory mini camps to Ben that have started this week. So we'll talk about that coming up as well. And Ben, we left it on Friday saying, hey, maybe we're talking about 9 out of 11, 10 out of 11. No, we're talking about 11 Ooh, out of 11 bad one, bad with, one with the Atlanta Braves. They're five and a half games back of the Mets. They have cut that thing uh, in half from where it was. And doing what I think we said they should. Like, you have a weak schedule, take advantage. And the Braves are doing just that. Kevin, I will say this. Shout out to the, NL, the, the, the entire NL East, right? I mean, it's balling right now. The Phillies, I hate to give them any love, but they balling too. But, Kevin, you said it, though. You said 9 out of 11. Man, that's great. 10 out of 11. 11 out of 11. But they're doing it the way we said they had to do it. It's not just one thing. It's the bats. It's pitching. Dansby, man's. I mean, Dansby Mansby, I, I mean, he got teammates saying things like, I know why the ladies like him, based <laughs> off the way he's you know playing. You know, it's like, but to me, right, baseball is one of those seasons to where, even with the Braves, you want the personality to come out. Shout out to Adam Duvall, man. I mean, obviously, Kevin, we said Adam Duvall obviously makes the outfield, you know, legit. But what he's doing with his bat, Matt Olsen getting in on it, Austin Riley getting in on it, Mr. Grand Slam, Ozzy Albies, Himself getting on it, and I now Ronald Cooney Jr. still himself, you know. Mike Will made it. Mike Will, Mike Will. I mean, they they getting it done. But I think what you like to see, Kevin, is they seem to be having fun, right? Snit. I don't think nothing gonna give Snit any type of energy in these post game press conferences. He just he gonna he gonna answer the question. But this is when you know the Braves are having fun. You know who I be following, and I shouldn't. Mister Nutter Butter himself, Blooper, because he always oh that's that's called a streak. You know, and, and you know, but I will say though, Kevin, what, what I'm liking the most about this Braves team is the personalities coming out. Right, guys are really showcasing what they're doing, and don't look now, right? I mean, I'm not, I, I don't know where they were compared this year. Does this infield got a shot to to outdo what it did a, a, a year ago? Because I mean, Dansby Mansby is balling, like yep. he's balling. Right, it's crazy how we go from man, he need to get a hit to do. He's and he's getting it done, obviously. With his glove as well as with his bat, Matt Olsen, Austin Riley, and then you're talking about Ozzy, but they're they're finding their stride. And I said this. I don't know how good the Braves be. Kevin, I think you showed me that they what score eight runs in one inning. Yep. I mean, they can definitely score in bunches, but they're dangerous. Like this, this, this lineup is dangerous. Obviously, starting I mean, you know, I mean, you know, you talk about Mentor, you talk about Kyle Wright, you talk about Max Free. They 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 find a way to get it done. Jansen. I mean, coming with that nasty stuff. I, I just think that when I look at the Braves and what makes the Braves dangerous is it's when you're in a debate with somebody talking about other teams, and I'm not talking about the Yankees. Good Lord. <laughs> I'm talking about teams like, you know, middle of the road, and then you say, what about the Braves? Oh, well, that's different. They, You know, it's almost like they're playing up to that world, defending World Series champ. But, Kevin, it's almost like the Mets being so far ahead, like, brought out the best in them because, like, dude, we ain't got no time to be playing. Five and a half is still, you know, it's a it's a very, 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 very uh, you know, doable task to go out there and catch him. 
But I think that what the Braves are doing is saying, listen, control them what we can't control, playing exciting baseball, playing meaningful baseball, and for everybody to say, oh, they beating up on bad teams. Well, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to make sure bad teams remain bad teams. And, hey, man, shout out to the Braves. Man, 11 in a row, that ain't no slouch. And like I said, Kevin, I mean, a lot has happened, man, from Friday to oh, Sunday. Yeah. I mean, these guys are really finding a way to get it done. But, hey, man, shout out to them. I, and, again, I hate to be the – I hate to be the guy that's like going against the the narrative. Everybody's like, "Oh man, they're uh, they're doing it against bad teams." Well, yeah, that's. I mean, and again, make no apologies for that. That's what we said at the beginning of this thing, back at the end of May. I said, "Look, all the way up to uh, to June, June twentieth, they're playing teams that are below five hundred. You got to take advantage of that." And the Braves are doing that. Had a closed, I don't say closed door meeting because Brian Snicker brought it in there. Uh, after they lost to Arizona and played horribly, and said, "Look, guys, we're better than this. We are we are way better than this." And a lot of things have been cleaned up, and the Braves have put it in uh, another gear again. Is this the same as winning eleven in a row against the the Dodgers, the the Padres, and I think the Mets found out how hard that is. They're five and five in their last ten. So look, it's an impressive streak. It needed to happen at the right time. And again, I don't understand why. People in today's day and age make apologies for beating bad teams. Mm-hmm. That's what you're supposed to do, right? When, 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 no offense, but if you're in the National Football League and the Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars come up on the schedule last couple of years, that's a dub. If you don't get it, what happened, right? Equally as amazing as the Jags beating the Buffalo Bills were a lot of people going, how in the world did they only score three? Right? I mean, how, how did the Buffalo Bills not get in the end zone against Jacksonville? So, again, I, I think you see folks out there who are saying, yeah, well, beat good teams. We'll get to that. Yeah. I mean, we'll get to that. But yeah. right now you're in a stretch of teams that aren't very good, and you are feasting a way that really up until this streak started, you hadn't feasted on anybody uh, throughout most of, the, uh, most of the course of the season. So, to me, I look at it and – uh, ben, I say, I don't, if you're the Braves or Braves, you don't have to apologize no. for beating bad teams. No. I think because the Mets are going to have their turn at playing some bad teams, and you would hope if they want to win the division that they they play very well. Look, that to me is what makes a championship team. You beat the bad teams like a drum. You hold your own with the really good teams, and you go about 50-50 with the teams in the middle of the road. <laughs> Excuse me, you can win a championship. That was a buildup. Uh, had to uh, had to get that out. I, I, but, yeah, but, sneezes are the greatest. I love them. <laughs> I but you understand what I'm saying? Like, you know, I I, I've seen that that narrative from non-Braves fans. Like, oh yeah, well you're beating up the oh, uh, yeah. the weaker opponents. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, I would hope so. Oh, I would yeah. hope so. No, but think about this though, Kevin. No, this is what this really is. What the Braves were lacking was confidence. They needed some confidence. They needed a lot of it. And the great part about it is, you can blame all parts of it: starting pitching, bullpen, lineup. Defense. I mean, Matt Olson was Kevin. You was telling how it was uncanny of him to have the errors that he was having. Maybe that was his way of pressing. But when this Braves, when this Braves lineup is mashing the way they mashing, dude, you can get it from anybody. I mean, I'm just saying. It's and yes, I listen. I'm on Twitter for two for two reasons. One, you know, you know, all the Braves haters, which is a lot of Braves hate out there, especially coming from Mets fans. But. It's also, it's also, you know, you, you guys are validating what the Braves are doing. Oh, they only doing this. You know how many teams wish they weren't the teams that everybody was beating up on? You, it's a lot of teams in baseball 
There are there are there are players in baseball that make more in a year than certain salary caps for some of these teams. They ain't even spending that. But the Braves once again are doing it their way. They didn't have to break the bank. They go spend you know all this money on pitching. They just trust their farm system. They trust the guys that's coming back. They trust the new addition. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I th- and I think right now what you're seeing is you're seeing a confident bunch. You're seeing a resilient bunch. But you're seeing a convinced bunch of guys that say, I told you, Kevin, I don't know what 29 other teams got in the, in the majors. I know I know the best culture in baseball. It's got to be the Braves. Because you don't think about this. The Mets and the Fields are, are benefiting from the Braves. The Mets know, dude, we got to put some space between us. Because you because the way these dudes close at the end of the year, like nobody, and the Phillies are saying, bruh, I mean, our freaking, our freaking uh, you know. You know, I mean, our price tag on some of these players. I mean, we got to get, we we got to get something out of this. Cause think about it, Nats already won one. And I don't know if I don't know if this is the year for Strasburg the pitch or not. I don't know how the Nats do with him. He's a year on, year off. Not five days on. He get a year off, and then when they want to go to the playoffs, they they'll let him pitch. As far as like the Phillies, hey man, Bryce Harper come to saying, bro, we we can't just be stat compilers. Do we want to know what it's like to win this thing? I'm sorry, Mets. Until I see it, like uh, until I see it. Congratulations right now, but somebody said this. You do not get awards from being good when it doesn't matter. You get awards from when the postseason gets set. The Braves are closing right now, but like you said, Kevin, it's almost like getting closer to that all-star break. The Braves say we need to be playing because this all-star break trade, you know, trade deadline. What do the Braves do? Because you know, like, do we get it? It's all you can always add a pitcher, always add a bat. I like what we, I like what I'm looking at now, but hey man, the Braves are getting it done. And if you don't like it, Go play them. Well, that's right. You don't. You don't get a chance to go out there and play them. But shout out to them Braves yeah. getting it done in a, in a big way, Kevin. And like I said, man, I mean, Adam Duvall, have yourself some moments, sir. He seems to be the class of, class of that lineup right now. Yeah, again, it's been a different guy uh, seemingly every day, and that's that's what you need over the course of the 162. And they got the, uh, the Nats tonight in our nation's capital going for 12 in a row. I'm trying to think what the longest Braves win streak. I know they did 13 a long, long time ago. I'm trying to think if they've ever come uh, close to that. But, and people say, look, beating, winning a baseball game 12, 11, 12 days in a row is hard. Like, yes. I don't think people understand, especially at that level. It's like you get one good starting pitching out, uh, outing, and it's over. And, again, I, that's not to say that what the Braves are doing is I'm not trying to diminish that. But, like, it, it doesn't matter if you, played the Pir- if you played the Pirates 12 days in a row, it would be hard to beat the Pirates 12 days in a row. They just swept the Dodgers mm-hmm. not long ago. So, I uh, appreciate what they're in the middle of, and hopefully a uh, a run like this can continue uh, even at just a fraction of the pace, and you'll make up some ground on those pesky mats. we got so much to get to here on the show. Many camps are out, Ben. I know uh, mandatory for some, for some. apparently. Uh, we'll get to that. We've got uh, Emory Hunt joining us coming up in hour number two. Also, the U.S. Open this week. Of course, Phil Mickelson is going to be in front of the media. Dustin Johnson and others who played in last week's live tour, well, now they're there at the major, and they're going to get a bunch of questions about uh, that tour and what they're doing there uh, coming up this week. So I'm interested to see the reaction there from not just the media. I think you kind of know what the golf media is going to do to them, but what are the fans on the course? Sometimes the media push a a uh, a, a question and a narrative, uh, which again you may go along with. But how many golf fans care about that at the end of the day when it comes time to, to tee it up and hit the golf ball? We'll talk about that coming up later in the show as well. Plenty of ways to get us on this Monday. We are at uh, all across the radio network, of course, ESPNCoastal.com on your uh, mobile app, on the mobile device with the ESPN app. And you can see us uh, live streaming on Facebook, Twitter, 
and YouTube as well. We're coming right back all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Be back here three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us. Emery Hunt going to join us coming up in hour number two of the program. But Ben, those mandatory mini camps this week for uh, teams around the National Football League. I know a big one was, was Lamar Jackson going to show up? Yeah, he showed up. As you said, you can be fined for not showing up unless you are in Jacksonville, where Doug Peters is like, ah, maybe we don't need all of you here this week. Uh, going to go through, I think it's, what, three days? Yeah. Uh, but he said, look, rookies, select veterans, mm-hmm. and guys that are coming off injury, that's all we need here uh, this week. For a team that just picked number one and went, what, three and 14, mm-hmm. is that a good idea? Or do you need all the practice time you can get? I would say this. Doug Peterson is trying to earn some stripes on the wall. Right? Every every head coach. I mean, I guess it's a big change from last year. It, it is. Man, but, but Kevin, but Kevin, I mean, think about this. Kevin, you know, just like I know, even if you are a Jacksonville fan, ain't nothing finna jump off. You were the number one overall pick two years in a row. You think you're finna go from that to the Super Bowl? Keep on letting Cincinnati fool you if you want to. That's not <laughs> happening. But I will say this thing about Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson has been there a little while. He knows not what they have, but what they're lacking. Every player doesn't need every single practice, you know, but, they're, but listen, these rookies, like, think about it. Real similar to the Falcons. You got a lot of young guys going to have to be key contributors. Preferably 2021 and 2022's draft. So you're going to be able to – now, just because guys won't actually be practicing, Christian Kirkson knows that. They'll show up. They'll show up and, like, help the young guys out. Right? Because this is, what, this is one thing about – look, if you make a certain dollar amount at your career, I'm not even talking about football. The first thing they pay you to do is show your behind up. Where is he at? Where is she at? Well, just imagine you got millions next to your name. You, the goal is to make sure the guys you gave the big money to are there when the games count. So what he's doing is saying, look, if you are a veteran, the one thing you've learned how to do is pick up game plans, pick up concepts, like terminology, things of that nature. If you are a rookie, you do not. It's hard to pick that stuff up. So what Doug Peterson is saying, look, we're getting very, very close. Mini camp, you can kind of slow down a little bit. Wait a minute, guys, slow up, do that again, right? Training camp, everything's like this. And a lot of these guys probably ain't picking it up. And I think what they're doing, and if, when, when you hear the term, you know, uh, select veterans, that could mean two things. One, you could be a guy that's on the fringe that you need more reps. Or two, you're just the type of guy that loves to work. You want a guy, guy that comes in. You, there are guys that love practice, that love, like, getting better at their craft. But if you're a Doug Peterson, what he's really trying to do, Kevin, is he's trying to show what a healthy work environment looks like. This is what it is. Like, yes, I've already won a Super Bowl. And, and I did it with a team that hadn't done it. Last time I checked with Philly. So what he's trying to do is say, look, this is what we're doing. Bring you, I can kind of bring you guys along a little bit. Because from mini camp to training camp, it doesn't, the two don't compare. And you got such young guys that's going to be contributors. You getting, the, the, the select veterans might be some of the guys that just got there too because they might need a little bit of extra. But, I mean, mini camps. I respect it. I respect the fact that Doug Peters said, look, I'm not in the business of trying to take money from players. I'm not in the business of trying to find guys. Now, if you do something stupid that just, you know, that just goes beyond what we do here, I'm going to find you. But I think he's trying to establish his way of doing things because un- until he does, they think it's going to – why would I think it's going to be anything different in 2021? Why would I think it's going to be anything different? I mean, you still got Trent Baalke up there, right? Still got Mr. Connors. You know, he, he's still the owner. Still Jacksonville, I've still got the same locker, same number, same parking spot. Different year. 
different regime, different way of going about it. So that's what he's really doing. He's saying, look, fellas, I don't know what y'all went through last year, and I don't care. I don't want to hear about last year. I don't want to go into it. Tight ends that's on the roster play tight in their whole life. Right? Not Tim Tebow. The, the strength coach that's the strength <laughs> coach could have got hired by anybody. Not just only could get hired by one person. Right? Now, the Trent, now Trent Barker do got an assistant GM. I don't even know what that is. Right. But I will say that if you are – before you can establish a winning culture, you got to establish a stable one. I need something. Guys know what to expect. Guys know we're going to work. Guys know – this is how we're going to set things apart. This is how we're going to do things. Because they say Doug Peterson, he's a hard-nosed coach, man. He wants you to go out there and get it done. But I have to establish what we're doing first. Like, let me show you what we're doing, how we're going to go about doing it. Because once training camp comes, man, everything goes really, really fast. We don't got time. You got, you got preseason games. How do we go about that? Real similar to what we said about Arthur Smith. How do I go about preseason if I'm Doug Peterson when, you know, Travis Etienne missed the whole year? Do I put him in there? Do I not put him in there? Uh, you know, so I think that many camp is a way to iron out a lot of kinks because if you are a young team and, and you're bad, it's bad. Bad. <laughs> because I was there. Because you don't talent ain't the problem. It's you it's lack of reps. You ain't got a guy, a lot of guys that played that long. Like you said, Kevin, Jacksonville beat Buffalo nine to six. Buffalo didn't get in the end zone. That was only one of their, what, four wins, three, four wins? So it, you start saying, and now, they also kept the Colts from making the playoffs. So you got some things to build off of. Problem is, you were number one in the draft, number one picking the draft two years in a row. So many camps is a way for you to try to, you know, set some things, you know, this is how we're going to do said it. that as a veteran, you probably already love Doug Peterson. Oh, you mean oh, I don't yeah. have, have to come? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm not coming. <clears throat> I know you said some guys come. I think a majority of guys would say, not doing it. I'm, I'm just going to sit at the house for three <clears throat> more days. Yeah, oh, and do oh, my own. Not say <clears throat> sit at the house, but you know, I'm going to well, get my well, workouts in. And, but you got to think this too, though. I always remember, the people who take the big, make the biggest sacrifice in football is your, is your family. They used to not see you. So if you go, oh, hey, listen, I'm going to just kick it with y'all for the next three days. You know, certain guys actually like their family. Tom Brady don't. But, but everybody else do. <laughs> they like their family. They like kicking them. No, I, I appreciate Doug Peterson doing this because – the thing about getting older in the league is hopefully you get a – sometimes the coach will give you a day off during the week. Hey, man, take an take extra day or take a day in training. Because when I was with the Bucks, which was cool, we had a lot of guys, big age gaps. Like I'm 24, you know, uh, uh, you know, a Rondé Barber and them, they 34, 35. So that's a 10-year gap. So that's 10 more years in the league they've been in. They couldn't do it. So we would go hard in the morning. In the afternoon – Young guys go out. We'll do like a seven-on-seven. Seven. We'll do like a special teams. Take the pads off. We'll go in a heated, not heated, air-conditioned uh, tent, and we'll do walkthrough. It was beautiful. Derrick Brooks and them, I used to be like, boy, y'all old heads. Hey, I appreciate y'all, <laughs> man. So, but, but, so, but now you don't got that. I think what? Josh Allen, what, 25, 26? You see what I'm saying? So everybody's in their, you know, early 20s, you know, late 20s, or what may have you. They're going to have to practice. But I, I applaud Doug Peterson, Kevin, because you know what you're like. I know, Kevin, like I said, the hardest thing for a coach to do is to establish this is how I'm going to do things. Get guys to buy into what I'm doing. Did you get the veterans to resonate that, that, that message throughout the other guys? Still not going to win. That's the unfortunate part. But you got guys that's believing in what you're doing. Because like I say, if you, if, you think, if you think trying to – you know, learn a different language is crazy. Try to try to try to understand the NFL playbook. 
I mean, this stuff is crazy. I mean, coaches say, listen, coaches literally sit in their office and say the play. They'll, they'll just sit there and go, Y zip, Z zip. They just do it to the point they can spit it out. And then the coach look at you and say, listen, I'm going to need Tiger person there. Tiger, 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 Tiger. Listen, I'm going to need you. I'm going to need you. You right, you right tight. Think about it. You right tight. Zip. Halfback, slow screen right. Check. HB2 slick on the, on the rocker. Boom. That is two plays. And, and the quarterback got the quarterback has to say it just like he said it. If a quarterback say, "Let me get you zap," no, no, say it again. Let me get you zap. No, not no. He'll say, "Listen, you zap is away from the play. Zip is to the play. Zipper, zipper up and down. You go back and, and stuff is crazy." And I'm trying to have flashbacks right now, but I'm telling y'all right now, I, I I applaud Doug Peterson for trying to show these guys. You guys are pros. You guys have earned this distinction. I'm gonna treat you as such. I think conventional wisdom is like, "Hey, you are a bad team. Show up, right?" I mean, oh, that's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Is that not Titans, man? Some of this stuff that people used to tell me, "Hey, man, man, when y'all got a, uh, you know, uh, voluntary uh, uh, OTAs, I'm like, hey, what do you mean voluntary? Like you don't got to show up? What? Who got to show up? And then you go to the coach and say, "Coach, is OTAs voluntary?" And coach will say, "He hit you with it, uh huh, yeah, they voluntary." And here you with that, listen, listen, you, 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 you stay going when you want to, and all of a sudden that depth chart now changed. <laughs> Man, y'all got me number three. Uh-huh, that's too bad that other tight end get it. He about to be number four. It ain't, listen, I played with that fear of losing my job. I didn't, I didn't do that nonsense. I was in Nashville, a team that no one cares about in a city that's more about country music. Let's call it what, and now they got freaking hockey. So I'm showing up. Steve McNair showing up. I'm showing them. Probably a good idea, yeah. yeah. Probably a good idea you show up. You don't want they, Mac to be like, what, what troop at? Oh, he home. Chilling. Okay. You said he didn't have to come. And, 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 Mac, say, and Mac say, who said he ain't had to come? He, he ain't asked me? <laughs> I, I, ain't, I ain't never had those problems. Yeah, look, I, I just look at Jacksonville and say, this is a team trying to go take a step forward, whatever that step is going to be. And, you know, you tell the veteran, hey, you, you – it's fine. I mean, and on the other hand, I get, hey, it's three practices. I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. But to me. They, they, now, that, they look out. They look, now, listen, I will say this now. <laughs> we told you you could stay home practice, and you show now, up. I will and, say this. That first practice, got a little juice in your step. I'm blow the whistle. Woo, boom. Second practice, you're like, it's starting to feel a little bit. That third one, you come in, everybody doing this. I don't know about you, but, but my legs hurt. And coach, it hit you with the eye, right, fellas, man. We're going to go out there and run a little bit. But, hey, man. Coming from a guy that only went to the playoffs one year and understand how how prestigious it is to go to the playoffs, it's hard to win consistently, man. That stuff is hard because the good teams don't want to be bad. That's what I call you say. If I can get a couple of these good teams to want to be bad, like New England, like Pittsburgh, you know, like Baltimore, like uh, Kansas City, like, like Green Bay, they don't want to do it because <laughs> they realize this is their livelihood. So if I'm going to make money to play football, I don't want to suck at it as a team because life is hard. Because think about it. When you suck, you know what people do? They only ask you about good teams. I mean, y'all play Green Bay? No. <laughs> oh, Aaron Rodgers ain't coming out here? No. I'm serious. It's like, nah, we ain't playing them this year. We can't beat the Texans. So we, we sure as hell don't want Green Bay. <laughs> We've got more to come here. It is mini camp week. The Falcons doing their thing. And kind of a whole different vibe mm-hmm. from, from Jacksonville. We'll get to that next. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here. Three and out on this Monday. Falcons back at minicamp as well. And I know, Ben, it's uh, got to watch what you say around Falcons camp. If you say the R word, 
rebuild. If you rebuild it, will they show up? Uh, but you're going through a rebuild where, uh, Ben, we've talked about this a number of times on the show, but you're going through a rebuild where you don't want to become the Cleveland Browns or the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? And that is, to me, a very tenuous spot to be in. I, I, I look at what the Falcons did. Again, obviously, you had to move on from Matt Ryan at some point. But to me, the Falcons were in a spot that, unless you find one, an answer, this year kind of lends itself to becoming the Jags or Detroit or the Falcons, or the, uh, excuse me, the, uh, the, the Browns. And that is, we don't have a clue about the quarterback situation long-term. Matt Ryan, as you said, did so many things for the Falcons, it wasn't even funny. You were not a great team, still won seven games last year. Marcus Mariota, you are hoping, could win you five or six games of this year. Maybe you get into a Desmond Ritter situation if he gets hurt. But, to me, the teams that constantly are picking up there, Miami, the Jets, what, what's, the, what's the issue, Ben? They, they have no clue what their quarterback situation is going to be. Who, who are the teams that never pick up there? The stable guys. Hey, we have Tom Brady. Even at 400 years old, we got Tom Brady. We have Aaron Rodgers. We have our quarterback in place. We know we can win X number of games just because this guy's here. Now you're with the Falcons. You're trying to wait this thing out when you have a whole lot more money. But how important has it been for them to find out probably this season who their quarterback long-term is going to be? I think everybody knows it's not Marcus Mariota. Um, but we've talked about how you can't really throw Desmond Ritter out there before he's ready because it's not a fair shake. But at some point, do you feel like they'll make a, a determination on, yes, Mariota is the carryover guy based on what we see in practice, maybe even Desmond Ritter's not the guy. We're going to try to ride long-term. How do you balance that out through the rebuilding process where, like, hey, the roster is not going to be great, right? But we also don't want to become perennial losers in the process while we try to find this quarterback. I think, Kevin, you're going to have to let it play out. I think uh, what, you, what you're learning right now about the Falcons and a guy like Marcus Mariota is, are you ready to be, you know, uh, the stable piece for this offense until we figure out what it is? All you got to do is look at the, the number of years on a player's contract to let you know if they bought in on them. Quarterbacks don't get two-year deals. Backups get two-year deals. Starters that get two-year deals mean that we don't know who we have right now. We don't know. Because, look, the same thing we can say about we don't know what we have in Desmond Ritter. You don't know what you got in Marcus Mariota. He hasn't started since he left the Tennessee Titans. He was with the Titans from 2015 to 2019. He spent the last two years uh, with, with the Raiders as a backup. Now, I'm not saying that he can't have a resurgence. I'm not saying he can't show you some of those vintage moments he had with the Titans. But the last time he started, three years ago. And the one thing he don't have then, well, now that he had then, is a running game. The thing about this Atlanta Falcons offense is this. It's better for Atlanta. To, the reason why people going, wait a minute, man. Why is Atlanta going to a dual-threat quarterback? Matty Ice wasn't a dual-threat quarterback. Yeah. Matty Ice was a pocket passer. But the thing is, have you seen this O-line? You're going to have to find a way to make some plays outside the pocket. That's the only reason why Desmond Ritter got drafted here. People go, why Desmond Ritter, you know, and not a Sam Howell? Because you're going to draft a guy similar to the guy you got on the center. You're not going to draft a total different guy. That's a total different offense. Totally different. But Marcus Mariota has a chance to go out there, Kevin, and really and really uh, establish himself as the guy for now. Because this is the thing about football that's really, really dangerous. The only teams that are looking to the future are bad teams. 
Good teams are not doing that. Right, but when you have constant questions about your quarterback. Absolutely. Like, and Absolutely. that's the one thing, like, again, were the last couple of years great for Atlanta? No, but for the large majority of Matt Ryan's career, you didn't even question what you had at quarterback, and you knew you were going to be competitive more often than not. Now you're in the situation. Carolina, I mean, you pick them. We, we all know who the teams are. Carolina, Houston, the Jets. You're all looking for a quarterback. Yep. None of them know if you have the guy yep. on your roster or not. And to me, you can pick a bunch of other different players to, to bring in, and they're going to they're gonna try to do that, obviously, in the offseason. But if you don't know who your quarterback is going to be and feel good about it, you're setting yourself up to become one of those teams constantly picking in the top five, six, seven. And I don't think the Falcons want to do that, obviously. I mean, you look at what it's done for other teams. Like, you get that rep of, well, you're always picking in the top five. You become Detroit. I mean, well, maybe not that bad. But you get what I'm saying, right? I mean, without that quarterback, you're in an interesting spot where you could wind up becoming a perennial losing team. Oh, yeah. Now, Atlanta has always been that fringe team, though, right, Kevin? Like, before Matty Ice got there, you're talking about, like, back-to-back winning seasons. That was few and far between. Because while a guy like uh, Michael Vick was very, very exciting, it wasn't a lot of winning seasons when he was there. Very, very exciting player, though. What a, what a guy like Matty Ice did for the franchise is he brought them out of the dark years and the league started respecting them because of who he was. And then you look at the cast of character they gave around him. Like people go, dude, you, dude, Roddy White was not the same player without Matty Ice than he was with him. Matty, I mean, Matty Ice, so that's why I knew that Kyle Pitts was going to have a good year because of who the quarterback was. Now you're saying, all right, we're starting new. We're trying to look, we're trying to go, we're trying to go side. 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", across the board. We're getting a quarterback that's a dual threat. So you're going to see a total different offense. Now, the thing about Atlanta that they have on their side is no one expects them to do anything, which means you can go out there and be who you are. You're not expected to win. You're not even expected to compete in the NFC South. You're not expected to even sniff the playoffs. But that doesn't mean that you, you know, if Marcus Mariota gets you one more win, right? Because seven wins is a lot of wins for a bad team. If he can get you eight, now you're talking about almost, you know, you're talking about a respectable season. Because I do think, Kevin, when you think about a guy like Marcus Mariota and what he brings to the table, he brings a veteran presence. He, he's a guy that, because he was just as shocked as anybody else. He was kind of like a bailout guy. Because you're like, oh, man, the ice going, who you going to get? Marcus Mariota? All right. You can live with that. Right? He's, Marcus Mariota is this. He's not good. He's not bad. He all right. Ain't nothing wrong with that either. And there's nothing wrong with that. Can he keep you out of the top seven draft picks? I, I think he can. I think he can because this is the thing. It's the teams you just mentioned. Detroit going to be good this year? Probably not. Jacksonville going to be good this year? I know, Probably but not. I, you say that, but I mean, look at the Falcons roster. I I I understand though. All right, Kevin, let's just call it what it is. I'm if, just. If, I, if, I, if, I, no, no, this is what you really do. If it's the Falcons versus the, if it's the Falcons versus the Browns, probably gonna go with the Browns because that defense is ugly. That defense is woo, and they still got Nick Chubb on offense. So that's probably a loss. Detroit, I'll go with the Falcons. Jacksonville, I might still go with the Falcons. Right, I might still go with the Falcons because. My quarterback is more proven than a, than, a, than, a, than a Trevor Lawrence, and I just think that you when you, when you got a team that pick back-to-back years, you know, you got a shot to go out there, you know, and make something happen with them. Outside of outside of uh, outside of Philly, maybe Dallas, right? I mean, you could you could have beat the Eagles last year if you could, if you if you could just find a freaking way to I don't know Deion Jones. Don't let Jalen Hurts run run by you when you spying him. And I'm sorry, why is the Commanders? Uh, ain't nobody scared of them because they got Carson Wentz. I, I'm just, I'm just going to call it what it is. This Falcons team has to decide this. 
we don't want to be the worst team in the division. Because here's the thing, while Tampa is obviously got Tom Brady, you could say New Orleans might have the better team than them, right? Top to bottom. Right. Especially on offense. But you can't you you gotta find a way to beat Carolina. Because you got to have something. And I do think Marcus Mariota can do it. Marcus Mariota, they're telling him, look, man, we need you for 17 weeks. Be- <laughs> I mean, because, 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 Kevin, this is the thing, right? If you don't know. That sounds you- like a confidence message. Hey, well, we well, just need well, to Well, if, if, if you're Marcus Mariota, right, they're paying you starter money. Sure. But you come into a team that you got a lot of new guys. Outside of Kyle Pitts and maybe offensive line, you know, I mean, Arden Tate, never been a headliner. Right, uh, uh, Brian El- never been a headliner. So I think that when you, you know, you know, uh, Lake Dr- I mean, Lake 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 Dr- <laughs> London Drake, Drake London, yeah, Drake. His name is Drake London. Yeah. I apologize, Drake. Drake London, obviously first, first number one overall pick. And you notice, right, Kevin? We're only talking about the offense because the defense is going to struggle. They were last to stop in the run, and they were last to get to the passer. Well, that's, that's your major category. And I would have to check their third down percentage. It's probably bad, too. If you can't get to the quarterback, you can't stop and run, your third down uh, percentage is probably bad. But I think for Atlanta, if they can find a way to run the football, keep Marcus Mariota upright, find a way to have an intermediate, I mean, short to intermediate passing game, the, the potential to try to throw the ball down the field, who knows, Kevin? Because like I said, if you would have told me Atlanta was going to win seven games last year, I would have laughed, what? With no Julio? They won what? And no Calvin Ridley. No Calvin Ridley. <laughs> Calvin Ridley down there betting with, you know, I mean, how they find out with him, you know, it's, you know, you're, you know. Please pro- introduce your yeah, name. When you're pro- yeah, when you use the name of Calvin, Calvin Ridley. Ridley off the, off the Calvin line. Ridley ATL. <laughs> I mean, <Okay>. it. <laughs> What's your, well, what, well, listen, well, how they find you? What was your password? Yeah. Rise up. You yeah. know what, Calvin? Yeah. They were going to find No. If this I am the if, Calvin Ridley. <laughs> <laughs> the one. <laughs> I would just say that if the Falcons can find a way to establish the run, keep Marcus Mariota uh, upright, and find a way to score points, that you know each quarter they got a shot. They got a shot to be respectable because you know how it is. If you're not competing, if you're competing for the right. top, if you're competing for the first half of the draft, like like you didn't make the playoffs, you want to be closer to that 13, 14, 15. Sure. Then you know seven, eight, nine. That's 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 all that's really coming down because. And all I'm works, saying you know, is, can they get out? Get, get, if Marcus Mariota is the quarterback, uh-huh. can they get out of seven, eight, nine and actually pick outside the top ten? I don't uh, know that they if, can, but if, I mean, if, 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 if I will say this, and I well, say that because if you've said enough, like yeah, you're rebuilding, but you don't want to become a loser mentality squad where it's like all the teams just trying to stink so we can get picks and it's okay if we don't win, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you're not far off from picking inside the top ten. What three years in a row? And so I mean, I. I the, but that, that's we. I, I don't. I don't know. What are we talking about there? Had, but we 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 making all this fuss about who's who's going to be your quarterback of the future? Who's going to be your coach? Because Arthur Smith got to still prove that he's the guy. Well, I mean, there's that. Yeah, and, and, you know, and, and I don't know. I don't know if him and Terry Fontenot are a package deal, but they still ain't got a quarterback yet. Like, well, if they if they. In the I top mean, nobody's 10, gonna, nobody's going to judge them on Marcus yeah, Mariota in, 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 the, in the top ten. Because, like I say, Kevin, if if the goal is to get one of these quarterbacks. In 2020, in 2023, okay. But if the goal is to say, hey, man, we're going to go with Desmond Ritter, you're going to have to show some promise because Tom Brady has already established he's never leaving. He's never not going to play, <laughs> right? It's unfortunately, unfortunately true, yeah. But, but, but I, I will say that if Marcus Mariota can get some support from his supporting cast, 
if the defense can just just be closer, just be like, I don't know, mid-20s, like closer to get if the defense can get more to the teams than the bottom half of the league, because that's what it really comes down to. It don't matter how good your offense is. If I can't get off the field, if I can't get a pass rush, if I can't get to the quarterback, if I can't stop the run, I mean, it's, pick a category to be to improve in. We're going to stop the run better. Cool. Yep. But if you can't get better or none, and, and getting better can't be from 32 to 31, no, that's, that's not going to cut it. I think that the, the Falcons got – because there's so many question marks, but obviously, unfortunately for you, Marcus Mariota, you are the glamour spot. It's going to come down to how well the, uh, the, the quarterback plays. Don't say rebuild, though. You might get thrown out of the building. We got more to come here. It's three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you along here on three and out. Ben, we're going to be talking about, you know, karma, both good and bad here over the next couple of segments. We've got take three coming up around the corner. Oh, by the way, late ad, uh, home team, Brandon Lee, going to join us. Braves on an 11-game winning streak. He'll join us. Also, uh, Emory Hunt going to join us coming up in hour number two. But Joe Madden, recently fired manager of the... Anaheim Angels, and you love to uh, you love to see it when I I'm trying to try to try to phrase this a nice way, Ben. When and I got to be careful because I'm turning into one of these. So when old people try to do stuff that's cool, mm-hmm. so Joe Madden, they were in the middle of that 14 game losing streak, and Joe Madden's like, "All right, I'm gonna show some solidarity with my guys, try to get them pumped up, see if we can't get out of this thing." I mean, we've tried Nickelback, everything that's not working. So Joe Madden went out and got a mohawk done. 70-something-year-old, rocking the mohawk. Going to go in the locker room, show the team. Oh, excuse me, Joe, before you uh, come here, Brooklyn. Yeah, you're fired. Uh-oh. Uh, so, so he got a mohawk, never got to show the team, and got fired. Womp womp. That's tough. That's tough. When you make a decision uh, like that, this, uh, hey, I'm 70 years old, I'm getting a mohawk. This, hold on. This for the, the team, and you're fired. There's somebody close to him. That knew that he was going to get fired. That could not say anything. Like, if I'm going to get the mohawk. Uh, yeah, where's Joe? He's getting all his hair chopped off. going to get the mohawk. There you go. I don't know. Joe, no, Maybe Joe, not do Joe, that, Joe. Joe comes to the facility. They say, <laughs> Joe's here. <laughs> listen, listen, Joe, listen, Joe, Joe does his regular parking spot. Says, hey, what's up, everybody, man? Oh, I see you, Joe. And then somebody goes, he's coming to you. <laughs> and then he walks in. He walks in the meeting room. You know, he walks in the locker room. No one's in there. And I'm talking about the staff locker room. Walks in the kitchen. No one's there. Walks in the big, walks in the staff meeting room. Joe, yeah, have a seat. Nice, nice cut. Listen, it's not working. <laughs> I mean, we got Tony. I mean, we got Rendon. I mean, we got, you know, Mike Trout. We got three. I mean, we definitely got two of the best players at that position. Definitely. We, we definitely got a unicorn in his position, right? 14, 14, you know, we, it's like we're the only team that has this much talent that can't make the playoffs. <laughs> nice hair, by the way. Did I say that? But uh, don't worry about it. We've already packed up your office. <laughs> Sorry, man. Because, Kevin. I mean, I, that's to me, the only thing I can think of is if you, like, got a tattoo. Like, I get it. Your hair will grow back. I don't know. If you're 70-something, it may not grow back. Mm-hmm. But you're rocking a mohawk at 70 years old for what? At that point. Because, can I, can no, no, I, can no, I at least go no, talk no. to the team? Think no, about, no, think no, about no, his, no, you no. can't actually. Well, think about when his grandchildren asked him to get it. He said, no, I don't do that. Think about when his children, no, I don't do that crap. All of a sudden, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and then, and then his, his grandkids go, so you did it for Rendon? All right, no, so Trout. if you do that, Ben, 
if you do it and you get fired, like I don't know, say the Tennessee Titans were in a you know zero and sixteen, like fellas, we're gonna win one game. You come in there with some I don't know what whatever a crazy hairstyle for you would be, and then they're like, we cut you. Um, is that a big mistake? I, I think it is. I think it is. No, no, Kevin. At the end of the day, you got to know when it, got when got to know when to hold them. Got to know when to fold them. And he didn't know. Sorry. Good to have you back here. It's three and out. All across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network, Kevin Thomas and Ben Troop. Apparently, we got carried away talking about Joe Madden. And his mohawk, that never was. More like a gohawk. <laughs> wonder if instead of the, you know, instead of red, said Joe, you should have done the mohawk pink, as in pink slip, you're done. Oh, uh, and there it is. I mean, uh, and you're like, gone. And then he goes, do you guys like it? Though? Oh, you look, you look great. I look fantastic. Security. Can I show the team? <laughs> no, no, you can't. <laughs> Can I at least go say bye to the guy? Nope. Nope, you said goodbye a long time ago, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we had 12 losses in a row before you could have been saying goodbye. And we're listening, and we're not laughing at him getting fired for those of you saying they're like, no, no, it's professional no. sports. He'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like they have to pay him to leave. Yeah. Give me my money. He's fine. He's never going back to that place where he got a haircut, though. They ain't never going back there. Yeah, that now that is bad karma. We got more to come here on three and out. Emory Hunt gonna join us this hour. We'll talk to him about Dion Jackson State on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Is he raising the profile of Jackson State, HBCUs, or Prime? Interesting question. Well, we'll talk to uh, Emory Hunt about that. And home team Brandon Lee going to join us coming up in the final hour of the program. Braves on that big win streak. We'll talk to him about that. But first, let's take three here on three and out. All right, Ben, take one. Speaking of karma, baseball super regionals wrapped up over the weekend. Are you feeling it? Sweet karma for Tennessee baseball. The bad boys of college baseball here in 2022. They were eliminated by Notre Dame at home, season over. <sighs> so, get a backstory with this Tennessee team. You know, when you know, you, obviously, when you think about this, this is supposed to be Kevin the greatest yep. Tennessee team. Well, they played that bad boy role up. Now, I will now, say I that. I will say this: regular season, bold. I think they had fifty some wins. You know, but this is the thing: in the history of the Tennessee Vols baseball team, they've been the They've been the runner-up one time. That was in 1951. They were the national champs? Never. Now, <laughs> that's not to say they haven't had a good program. Tennessee does have a good program. And, and the profile of – you don't really got to boost the profile of a SEC baseball. It's been good for a long right. time. But this is the that thing That kind about, of speaks for itself. But this right, is the yeah. thing about Tennessee, though. What, why do they lose their mind, though? Like – you know, you're giving people the middle finger. You're arguing with umps. Like, you, now, now, I'm going to say this. If you have a long history of winning, you know, College World Series, and this is just what you do, I get it. But you lost your mind. Like, you literally lost your mind. And this is what happens, Kevin. I don't know if they coach said, let's just establish ourselves as the bad boys, just have people rooting for us. Well, y'all, y'all won that. But you lost to the evil empire known as Notre Dame. Can I arguably say this was the this was the greatest Tennessee team of all time? I could, but here come the BJ Bennett in me. Greatest versus best. You didn't make the College World Series, and and it's it's a, it's a few good teams. It's a few teams left in uh 
in the SEC that made it. I just think that for me, Kevin, everything you preach about or we preach about when it comes to sportsmanship. Now, do I got to like the guys I play against? No. But should I respect them? Yes. I mean, you arguing with a call in baseball, in, in college baseball, then you're getting thrown out. Then you're shooting people to birds, you know, running, running, running around the bases. Then you, I, I just think that for me, it's going to turn out to be more of a, you know, a gimmick-looking season because you didn't – obviously the best teams are going to the college where they're going to Omaha. You're not. But, Kevin, the one thing you don't want to do is lose. If, if you're going to act like that, you better win because if you don't, that social media is going to have it, and it is already winning. So, all I'm going to say is they had these guys – Um, they had on, like, Florida Gator helmets with, like, Tennessee Vols, uh, like, shirts – Trying to say, oh, you know, we want to wear, we want to wear what it was. Yeah, well, I mean, all I say is that, you know, humble pie do not taste good, but y'all finna get a bunch of it. I just think, Kevin, people would have been more sympathetic or empathetic to them if they went because they started tripping. 50-something wins in a baseball season is rare. That's a lot of games. They swept through the freaking SEC and obviously beat my Gators in the SEC tournament. Much to do about nothing if you didn't make it to the College World Series, so – that 1951 runner-up will remain there, and obviously to win your – because people are talking about what, Mississippi State first national championship was last year. Well, where, well, where's Tennessee's at in baseball? So, hey, man, shame on them. But, <laughs> hey, you should you should you shouldn't be doing it. Like I said, they are student athletes, so I ain't finna just go crazy on them, but they were tripping, to say the least. Yeah, when you embrace that bad boy rule, nobody's going to be upset when you lose. The right? bad boy Pistons, they they won back-to-back championships. They earned that moniker. They, they you know – they ran into they ran into Chicago, but they still won it. Tennessee, well, you will be watching from the Chris Nib. So, <laughs> hey, it happened. All right, moving along. Take two. Uh, ben, could Steph Curry be the MVP of the NBA Finals, even if the Warriors end up losing? He should be. He should be. I think the thing about Steph Curry is if you got the chance to see Game Four, when you ask yourself <clears throat> at the height of a player, at the biggest moment. In the biggest game. What type of player is he? He put on a clinic. 40, I think you know, like 43 points. Only two other men in the NBA, NBA Finals history has given you, at his age, 43 points. That would be, I don't know if you ever heard of him, Michael Jordan, another bum, LeBron James. That's it. So, <clears throat> when you talk about a guy like Steph, Steph's not 6'9". Steph doesn't play above the rim. Steph is a shooter. Steph is a distributor. Steph, Steph, Steph is a shot maker, and he put on a – I mean, you give him any – I ain't – listen, I got – when people talk about getting your shot off, I ain't never seen nothing like Steph. You give him a – you give him any type of room. It's, it's, but he, he put it on – I mean, he put it on the floor. I mean, get into the rack, and he don't dunk. Like, all his shots are like, you know, his – a three-pointer for, for Steph, you know, one, one – you know, you know uh, one step past the freaking half-court line is a high-percentage shot to him. But I think he should, Kevin, because I think you're seeing what the NBA is for a guy that doesn't have all that explosiveness like a, you know, like a LeBron or like a Derrick Rose that was six feet tall. That was no, he go, look, man, I'm a shooter. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, listen, I'm the guy direct who you just waiting around to come in there because I can shoot you at the gym. A shooter, it doesn't matter what defense it is. It doesn't matter who they are, when they are. A shooter is good for any era. And what Steph showed in game four, regardless of what happens, like you said, Kevin, if they lose, the best player doesn't always win. The be, You know, the best now, the best team always wins. The best player does not. So I think he is the best player in this series that's taking nothing away from Tatum and Smart. 
you know, and Brown, you know, and uh, Clay, Draymond. I just think that with what he's doing, he's saying, look, I am I am the only reason why my team is still in it. Me. Because you take 43 points, not even counting assists and rebounds, you take me off this floor, I mean, it's over with. So, yeah, I do agree if they do lose, Steph has already proven, man, you know, he, he he's the best player in this series regardless of, regardless of how it ends up. Be interesting to see. Normally, don't give them out to, uh, to to teams that if they lose, we'll see. I mean, obviously, it's tied up 2-2. We're a long way from that. But a lot of people saying if for whatever reason Golden State doesn't get these last two dubs, then could Steph, with the way he keeps playing, be the MVP? I've always found it interesting. Uh, if you're the best player in the series, even if your team loses, why not? Why can't you be the MVP? Yeah, yeah. If you are better than anybody on the, I mean, because we've the whole point about sports, Ben, is like one guy can't do it by himself. Yeah. Right? LeBron tried. Michael Jordan, you could say he tried. They all had two and three other guys who were very, very good yes. to help pull them along. So, yeah, to me, you can be the MVP on a losing team if you are the best player in the series. Why not uh, at the end of the day? All right, moving along, take three. Saw this, Ben, and I always like to see this stuff because, you know, you see like celebrity homes are like so and so is putting their house on the market and they have six, you know, six bathrooms and three swimming pools and a, and a this and a that. Well, there's a home in Scottsdale, Arizona that is on the market. I saw this uh, earlier today. It's going for two mil. That's a lot. Well, the house is pretty nice. Mm-hmm. But in the backyard, you have a regular, I guess regular, I say regulation, but a full-size wiffle ball field complete with scoreboard, Wall, base paths, it's AstroTurf, the whole thing, or field turf, whatever you want to call it. That's a part of the house. What to you would be like the best amenity you could have on? Because to me, that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. Like I want to go to the wife and go, hey, you got two mil. We have a we have a baseball field in the backyard. Yeah. She might hate that. Yeah. But what would be like the best amenity you could see uh, if a house was for sale? As a throw in there, the best amenity that a house can have is a it's a bunch of land behind it. Like people saying, let let me show you that. A lot of times, like, let me show you the pool, or you know, let me my mom like let me show you let me show you this big gigantic kitchen. Let me show you these walk in closets. Let me show you these high cellars. No, if I go behind this house, right, twenty five acres. What? Twenty five acres. All mine? Yes. So what I would do is this, Kevin. <laughs> I would say, all right. I want a football field on the left, right? I want a I want a basketball court, full basketball court on the right, right? In the middle, I want a pool. I want a nice <laughs> pool, but behind that, I want a dirt track that you can go out there with them four wheelers and just get right, right? Because what it is is Kevin. This I is want, an activity center. It is basically and, what is happening. And this is the thing too, right? And no, no, this is what it. And people go, well, what would you call this? I call it bragging rights. That's, that's the name of it. Because <laughs> think about it, Kevin. Think about this. You come to the crib. Oh, and the pool, uh, the pool and the uh, and the sport court, all, it, 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 it all got a roof on it. Now, I didn't say closed in. I said it got a roof. Why? Well, I don't know how much a building costs, so I'm going to just deal with the roof. We're just going to put a roof on it. We're going to put a roof on it. And I think what happens that is, That would be though, one gigantic... <laughs> Structure. It would. It would. But this <laughs> thing, Kevin. Kevin, this is the thing though. You come to the crib, you know? You and the boys. They're like yep. this. I said, you come in, you know, what's up, Kevin? You be like, yes. And all of a sudden they are like, the kids keep walking with you, they go, What? 
And you go, what? And then, Kevin, you go, man, what about a batting cage? What you mean? We could just slide that in. <laughs> what about? But I think what it is is, though, what, it, what, what happens is, though, it's everything that I like. Football, basketball, swimming, the dirt track. You know, and I and cause, because because and like you say, Kevin, you know, I go look, man. Oh, what is the AC? What what is the energy bill like? Oh, it's usually pretty low. Why? Because lights are usually turned off. But this is the thing. Once the sun so, goes so, down, so, you are not to use any of that. Yeah, so think about this. It's like this. It's like no. It's like think about this. When we was growing up. What would your parents say if you had a yard? Go on out, man. Go on out in the backyard or something. Go on out in the backyard. Right. And they're in the backyard. And look. And all I say is this: You are not allowed to get on the four wheelers unless I say so. But guess what? Get in the pool, play a little basketball, go out there and do something, you know, do, do something athletic with. Hey, man, I got a football camp and a basketball camp going on in two different times, man. Plus, I got my little <laughs> nephew over there in the pool. Plus, Kevin plus Kevin and the kiddos are back there on the, on the four-wheeler getting it in. I, 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 just, I just think that you cannot beat land because once it's yours, you know, as, uh, as Denzel Wise said on the movie American Gangster, she says, hey, man, this is your club. Why don't you call it Franks? Your name is Franks. He said, because when you own it, you call it what you want. I call it bragging right. <laughs> Come on out here to bragging rights, man. You'll see what I'm talking about when you get on in. Amen. And but amen. I saw that. Like, people were like, wait a minute. So whoever owns this house decided, hey, let's put in a full wiffle ball field behind the house. Why not? It's part of the deal now. So whoever buys it, if you don't like, I mean, it would be a travesty if whoever buys it said, get that thing out of here. Oh, don't do that. That's like bring everybody over, charge them admission, pop some popcorn, and say, let's go have some fun. Of course. I mean, I mean, Kevin, like I said too, now, mind you, mind you, you know, you can always bring stuff in. Like, you know, at the, oh, we want to go do, you know, we want to go to a movie or something. I like, well, look, you got I like do think that would be choice number two. Like, I think that's awesome, but like, I do like houses that have like the movie theater in yeah. it. But, no, no, like, no, it's but, got four or five rows, yeah, and it's yeah. like, you know, the surround sounds like, you know, bring I mean, the I mean, movies I mean, to you. Oh, yeah. The, well, I would, now, if I, let me tell you something. If I got a $2 million house, everything now, the inside of the house should have a movie theater, like a game room. <laughs> now, but you got to do this, though. A movie theater and a game room have to be separate of each other, but your, and your, and your uh, uh, what they call your man cave has to be separate. Because, think about this. Well, I, you're just building rooms no, no, by no, the no, truckload no. out here. Okay, yeah. this is the thing, right? What's going to ruin a movie for you? Dad, I just, shh, Jesus. Like, <laughs> Go in there. No, no, no. The, the, the theater is the 100%. That's all that's in there. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, the movie room is by itself. When I, li- when I lived, when uh, the nicest house I ever had, man, this thing was, I enjoyed it, was in Tampa. I had a, my house, how you would love it. I, when you first come in, I had a a, a freaking, de- uh, what you call it, an office. And my and my my room and my bathroom was over there. They had to walk through like a little living area. And the, and the kids' room was on the other side of the house. So if they're yelling and stuff, you can't even really, you know. Yeah. Can't, but then, but you had three rooms on that side. Then you had like a bathroom. Then you had a theater room all the way in the back. Like it was all the way in the back. And I had a pool. Most pools, most places in Florida come with pools. So it ain't even in the minute no more. It just come with them. And I, and I used to say, so I said, I want surround sound in my house. I'm cheap. I've had, to, listen, I've had the same surround sound system since 2004. It's at the crib right now. And whenever I get, you know, whenever I decide I want to, you know, get a nice little crib. I'm going to blow the dust off of it. <laughs> but it's the funny thing, Kevin. When the guy was putting my theater stuff in, he fell through the roof. I, I heard this. Oh! <laughs> I, I, I run in the laundry room. <laughs> His friend is laughing at him. He told, I told him not to walk on it. But the, and the thing is, he kept going, I'm sorry, sir. This is what they said. Listen, we're not going to charge you for the install. Yeah, I would hope so. Because <laughs> I fell through the roof. And mind you, I said, y'all going to fix it? Yeah, I'm going to fix it. And, and like I say, man, I... Theater rooms and man caves for most guys, when I tell you it's worth it, 
Just one thing you got to get. You got to get a lock on the door that you the only one got the key. You will thank me later for that. You don't need people just barging in. <laughs> I don't care if you live here. That's take three. We do it every day this time. We'll talk with Emory Hunt coming up in about 20 minutes here on the show. It is three and out. U.S. Open this week. How are a couple of these guys going to be received that played on the Live Tour last week? We'll get to that next here on three and out. Good to have you back here on 3 and Out. Emory Hunt, football game plan, will join us coming up here in about uh, 10 minutes or so. But, uh, Ben, you got the U.S. Open this week, major golf championship uh, upcoming. Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, others expected to be there this week after playing on the Live Tour and obviously committing to the Live Tour. Now the U.S. Open is not run by the PGA Tour. So for people who are like, well, how can they do that? First tee shots last week, PGA Tour said, if you guys are playing, you're done. Uh, not playing. So this is the first major that's come up. They're allowed to play. How do you think they'll get received? I mean, I know what the media has done, uh, and I'm not saying they're not asking important questions. Mm-hmm. But the golf media is obviously saying, hey, are you guys trying to get one of them to say they're basically in it for the money? They don't care where the money comes from. Mm-hmm. How do you expect they'll be received both by the media on hand there at the U.S. Open and the fans at large? Uh, there at the U.S. Open. I do think the media, is, is this going to be the media's job to make sure they ask the questions that everybody wants to know? That's just you doing your job. And fortunately for the media, you're not paid to be liked. You're paid to be respected. You, your job is to go out there and ask the questions that everybody wants to know. You are you are the medium between, you know, the fan and the player. Now, when it comes to the fans, this is the thing, right? It's kind of You kind of play the perfect sport because when it comes to what you actually do, well, they got to shut up anyway. They can't <laughs> They can't say anything. But this is the thing, Kevin. Now it comes down to what type of fan are you? Do you want to be that one that's going, boo, because everybody's going to look? And do, and, do, and do you want that person that's putting up that quiet sign to be radioing in? Because I will say this. Now, I've been to a golf tournament. I know how crazy it can get. You want to follow your favorite players, you know, you or certain people just stand in certain holes, something, what may have you. But – I don't think it's going to be the reception people think. Like, I don't think that if there are if there are fans that aren't built to just boo the whole time, it's it's probably going to be golf. It's way more of a of a, of a respectful type sport, even from the now underneath it all. There's going to be a lot of faces being made and a bunch of, bunch of sure. conversations being had. Yeah, but Kevin, I think that because if I'm at a football game, basketball game, I can be the one going crazy because it's 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 accepted more. In golf, if you get the booing, you're going to stand out like a sore thumb. Now, if you can get a whole section to do it, that's what Well, I think different. that's going to be interesting because you and I were talking about this earlier. I was like, that kind of goes against the grain, as you said, of, of golf. Like, the most raucous you kind of get, you get out, ironically, in Scottsdale, Arizona, but that's just fans living it up, having a good time. This is – you don't boo on a golf course, right? I mean – even if you hate guys, uh, that you know, hey, I don't like about Patrick. You know what you do? You don't go, you don't go to their hole. You exactly. don't follow them around. Don't, you I'm follow, not following. Yeah, you, too you, many golfers that like worry about one. Yeah, you follow somebody else, but yeah. you don't boo, right? You don't, at the at the golf course. So I'm kind of wondering what the response will be because I know the the media is going to hit Phil and these guys like, hey, you're taking the money. Do you care where the money comes from? What about the atrocities that the Saudis are trying to do? They're trying to sports wash their image so they can uh, you know up their image in the world and. How many fans really passionately are on board with that with that part of it versus, I mean, I, to me it seems like it's kind of 50-50. There's a lot of people like, I can't believe it. 
They don't care where the money comes from. They don't care about their reputation. And then there's others going, look, man, they're getting more money than they've made in their whole career, guaranteed. I, I, the, the, the winner this week, Charles Schwartzer, won $4 million. Rory McIlroy, one of the top golfers on the PGA Tour, won the Canadian Open. He won about half that. So uh, you're, you're, you're looking at a huge amount of money, uh, and everybody got paid this week on the Saudi Tour. Not everybody got paid unless they made it to Saturday and Sunday there at the, uh, at the Canadian Open. So I, I just look at it and say, does the average fan look at it and go, I can't believe these guys are in it, they're taking blood money, or the average fan is like, look, it's money. If we're going to start digging into where everybody's money comes from, are we going to start digging over here at the NBA and players who have, you know, international deals going on in China where they do some deplorable things? Are we going to, you know, start looking at all these at every other company and say, hey, what are you doing? I mean, I'm not saying that that's not warranted. I'm just saying, is that how far we're going to dig on this uh, to where these guys, it's okay to do it here because we can accept that versus it's not okay over here. And it seems like there's a lot of pettiness coming from the PGA Tour on this thing where, you know, Jay Monahan, the PGA commissioner, called it the Saudi Arabia Tour. Mm. Uh, you know, right after uh, the tournament this week, you had uh, Roy McIlroy say, hey, I got to beat that guy who I was tied with and wins, who's Greg Norman, who is kind of uh, running uh, the, the Live Tour. You have, uh, I think, Justin Thomas, who was up on the leaderboard going down the stretch of the weekend. Ben said, look, I was glad I had a chance to go compete against the best golfers in the world. This is what we, we live for. They're all throwing kind of underhanded jabs uh, at this thing. And to me, if you're the, quote, big dog, you don't need to do that. You kind of stand on your own. And yeah. they kind of went the route of pettiness rather than to come out, make a statement, say, look, that's not what we're about. We don't want our guys to play over there. Here's why. We think we have a better tour. The, the I mean, the end. And uh, to me, that's kind of given legs to this whole thing. I, so I'm interested to see what happens coming up this week uh, with the U.S. Open. I just think the PGA really fumbled the ball, like you mentioned, Kevin, because you 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 make a press conference and make a statement is what you do every single day. Being able to come out there and, uh, you know, uh, speak on behalf of everybody on the PGA Tour is, uh, is what you do. So I do think the PGA kind of messed this up. And if you are the players, I will say this. If you are a fan of a player, stop judging one thing they did to make it seem like that's, that's their moral character. You don't know them. But I will say this, too. I mean, I get why people are outraged. I, know, I, know, I understand. I'm not, I'm not, you missed what I'm saying. If that's what you are, bam, I, I get it. I get it. If, if you want to think, man, I wouldn't have took the money. I don't like what they did. I get that part. But you got to ask yourself. If you were in that position, what you would do? Don't you know? I would, you don't know. that. That's what it really is. And you're right. If the PGA Tour did not want players, even considering going and playing, you know, playing the live, playing the live tour, what you gonna what 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 are you gonna do to accommodate that? Cause like you said, Kevin, this ain't about the players that that chose to play. This is about the players that stuck that that stay loyal to the PGA. Cause they saying, dude, like yeah. y'all need to do something. Their caddies are getting totally covered. You know, it's like it. it we and, we're and, having and, help and our the guys. Golfers talk to garbage. Like caddies talk to caddies. Sure. And when you start hearing about what they got, guarantee. Wait a minute. I'm gonna make my money regardless of what what the golfer does. Yeah, I'm getting my regardless. Yeah. I mean, because usually the caddies, what they they their salary is based upon what the golfer right. win, their their earnings. So and that, but but that doesn't include their travel, their stay, their meals, et cetera, When they go to these golf tournaments, and if your golfer doesn't make the cut, then you've gone out of pocket for that. and You make zero. Whereas on the live tour, they covered all that for the caddies. Wow. They and you still got a percentage. So I I thought somewhere where I said the guy who caddied, you know, 
uh, guys who caddied this week were, I think maybe somebody said, like, the guy who caddied for uh, the last place guy still, you know, had all this stuff taken care of. had all So it was a quote-unquote profitable trip to make because, you know, had that been to PJ Tour, he might not have made it and gotten zero. Whereas he got all of his lodging, food, stuff taken care of, and he got paid on the back end because obviously everybody's getting paid uh, to make the cut. So I'm interested to see what the reaction is because, again, then there's only so long you could keep outrage going if the golfing public in mass doesn't follow along with it, right? What you really need, if the, if the golf fans are outraged and they stay outraged, that's why I think Augusta National hasn't said much because uh, they got a while. It's like, look, if you go through this first major and there's not like a palpable blowback, like why are these guys allowed to play? I, I, I think they're playing the Masters. I think they're playing in the Open Championship. I, I mean, I think they are. It's going to be interesting to follow how this comes about uh, over the coming weeks uh, between the PGA Tour and these guys that have elected to go play on the Live Tour. We'll come back, switch gears, talk a little football. Emory Hunt, football game plan, going to join us. Is Prime doing what he says? Is he boosting the rep of Jackson State, HBCUs, or none of the above? As Jackson State on the cover of Sports Illustrated uh, with Prime and a couple of the players there. He'll join us uh, next. Will Emory Hunt here on 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas and Ben Troop. And Ben, obviously, college football ever-changing, right? Ever-changing. And uh, Deion Sanders has been at the, you know, at the forefront of that. Yes, and, uh, you know, with all things HBCU, I mean, they're in the news uh, trying to boost their reputation. Our next guest, or who better to talk about what's going on with HBCU than our next guest, the great Emory Hunt of Football Game Plan. What's going on with you today, Emory? I'm doing fine, Ben, as always, man. I appreciate you guys bringing me on. Now, now, Emory, obviously, anybody that live under the rock understand that nobody stays on brand like Deion Sanders. It doesn't matter when he played, when he was working in media. Now he's at JSU. I mean, he did something that only he could do. Him, his son, Travis Hunter, on the front cover of Sports Illustrated. Is that good for JSU and HBCUs, or is it just good for JSU? It's good for both JSU and also HBCUs, and the reason why I believe so is now you have the added exposure. And no one likes, you know, to, to be second on the block. It's almost like when you see restaurants competing. If there was no McDonald's, there would never be a Burger King and vice versa. So if you come out first, like, okay, you're getting all the attention. We got to up our game and elevate it as well. So now you both rise. And I do feel like that's the whole mission behind uh, Deion Sanders. And the more people see him do things publicly, it's going to raise the, the profile of a – you or a Bethune-Cookman or an Alcorn State or Savannah State. It's going to raise the profile of these other programs because they want to be uh, they want to be seen as well. And I think it really helps put the spotlight more so on HBCUs as opposed to just on Jackson State. And Emory, where's the uh, where's the traction that you see coming? Obviously, uh, Dion made a lot of news back in early February when he got the number one player in the country to come to, uh, to to Jackson State. Is that something, maybe not the number one uh, guy every year, but do you see more guys that are, I guess, known in the recruiting game making that decision? I, I believe so. And I, I feel like Florida and then would be the next in line um, because if you look at what they've been able to do, they have a guy right now that's playing really well in, in OTAs and minicamp and Marquise Bell. Uh, you know, he was a Florida A&M guy. Next year they got the best pass rusher in the FCS and Isaiah Land, who was in the transfer portal 
and said, you know what, I'm going to just finish what I started, came back to Florida A&M, that's always a great thing. He should be one that's going to be drafted next year. And so when you think about Florida A&M and, and being right there, neck and neck with, with Jackson State, losing them 7-6 last year in the Orange Blossom Classic, I see them being able to get those guys, uh, maybe not the five-star, maybe a four-star here and there coming out of high school or even some strong three-star recruiting classes that puts them right on par with some group of five FBS programs. I see that more being the norm than the, you know, the cascade of five-stars running to HBCU programs. Emory, you look at a guy like James Houston coming over from the University of Florida, getting drafted in the seventh round this year by the Detroit Lions. Uh, you know, Detroit front office kind of told Prime, look, we're going to make sure that we draft one of these guys from, from HBCU, and it happened to be from Jackson State. You talk about FAMU and what they got coming down the pipeline. Where is HBCUs as a whole? Because you look at the Legacy Bowl, you know, and what, you know, what, it's, able, you know, what it's able to do. You look at uh, the exposure, uh, you know, the HBCUs seem to be having. Where is HBCUs as a whole? Are they doing it more on a collective level, or are they saying to themselves, this is our time to try to get as much of this exposure as we possibly can? I think all of those things are, are great points and, and true. And I feel like we're seeing, you know, the third renaissance of, of HBCU football. You know, and when you think about the, the amount of – think about the guy that got drafted highest this year from the HBCU program was Joshua Williams in the fourth round from Fayetteville State. That's a D2 HBCU program. So we got guys coming from the Division II ranks of HBCU schools getting drafted. So – that tells you where the talent is, and I also feel like uh, we're coming off a year where we saw the most competitive HBCU football season. We talked about Fayetteville State. Bowie State beat them three times in one year, has won three straight HBCU uh, CIAA championships, and has won games in the Division II playoffs. So we're seeing you know, the talent not only at the FCS level, but also at the Division II and NAIA HBCU level. And I feel like as long as the competitive Nature is there, and these these games and these conferences, uh, conference races are competitive. It just it yields itself to more and more talent coming out of high school, and I also feel like we'll see more talent coming out of high school going directly to HBCUs because what we now know with the NIL deal and how coaches want ready-made players coming out of the transfer portal, it feels like a high school student athlete is getting pushed to the side a little bit, and that prime property for these FCS, HBCU programs, and Division II programs locally uh, to really uh, rack up shop and gain recruits. And, he, and then even, even, even sticking with that point, do you think HBCUs are going to be really big, big targets of uh, the transfer portal? I mean, you think about, like you said, every team wants a ready-made player, no matter who no matter who that person is. But do you think because of what's going on with some of these programs, like while Jackson State is the one that's getting all the attention, I mean, South Carolina State is the one that won the Celebration Bowl when everybody was watching. I'm not just talking about, you know, uh, HBCU uh, fans. So do you think the transfer portal is going to be the way to get the best talent ready-made players for HBCUs, or do do they kind of do it 50-50, like high school as well as transfer portal? I'm so glad you brought up South Carolina State because you think about the team that has had more HBCU players drafted in the last five years has been South Carolina State. You have multiple guys going to the Senior Bowl. Darius Leonard, you had Alex Taylor, the tackle. This past season, you had Kobe Durant at the Shrine Bowl. You had Javon Hargrave a couple of years ago at the Shrine Bowl and Senior Bowl. All of those guys, except Alex Taylor, were drafted. So if I'm a guy sitting in the transfer portal, a defensive player, I'm like, 
I'm going to South Carolina State because clearly Buddy Pugh knows how to get guys developed and drafted. But I still feel like it'll, for HBCU programs, it's always going to be about the development. And if they can grab the high school player, I still feel like that's the route to go. So you look at maybe 70% high school, 30% um, transfer portal. And if you're going to hit the transfer portal uh, for a player, if you're an HBCU program, I think you have to go quarterback. If you can get the quarterback position straight, and this goes for any program, but more in particular the HBCU program, you get the quarterback position right, everything else will fall into place. Emory Hunt, football game plan. Joining us here, and Emory, you see a lot of football throughout the, the year. As you've seen what's kind of transpired over the last, what, year and a half or so around college football, where do you think uh, kind of the, the game is headed? Where do you, what do you think this looks like, as you said, where you see programs that uh, are attracting talent that maybe they traditionally have not? With NIL, does that even – where do you see the game of college football moving to in the next four to five years? It's a, it's a fascinating question, man, and it's a great one because I feel like we're at the point now where it kind of levels the field. For instance, I was just talking with you know, head football coach Maurice Flowers at, at Johnson C. Smith out in Charlotte, and I'm thinking, well, wait, I'm looking outside their window at the coach's office. I see downtown Charlotte. I look on the other side of the stadium. I see the Panther Stadium. If you're right here in Charlotte, you got access to – more resources than you would a school in a small town. So I feel like a lot of these places are going to start using that to their advantage. And don't let the Ivy League decide to take football seriously because they got all the money. You know what I'm saying? So, and I told, I, I joke, have jokingly said this on Twitter. I know everyone was kind of frustrated about, uh, you know, the, what, what, <laughs> what Nick Saban said about Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. You know, I'm looking at it like this. If I'm, if I'm Tennessee State, I'm on the phone with Oprah right now. How bad you want to win? Let's get this thing popping, you know? So that's how you got to approach it. I feel like it's a fun time to be a program because you could do a lot of creative things. It's also a great time to be a student athlete because you can capitalize on a lot of things. So I think it now, depending on where you're located at, it's going to level the playing field tremendously and kind of even things out a little bit. And Emory, I mean, we uh, I know we talked about it earlier with a guy, you know, Kevin was talking about Travis Hunter, you know, number one, Recruiting in certain publications, you talked about the quarterback position and trying to shore it up because it's the easiest headliner of any conference, whether it be the HBCUs or, or whomever. Does Travis Hunter have to pan out? When I say pan out, does he have to be not just the best cornerback you know, uh, in HBCU, but do we have to be one of the top cornerbacks in the country? And can he be the one that kind of lift the veil you know, you know, you know, off of uh, you know, NFL draft and saying, look, we're going to draft this guy high. And he he has that regardless of where he went. Usually, if you were number one, number two overall recruit, as long as you don't just fall off, you know, in college football, you usually get drafted high. Does Travis Hunter have to pan out? Oh my God, man! I hate the the yeah, I hate to say it, but whew, he definitely does, man. It's the it's the highest stakes pressure because if he doesn't, then you know these other schools that's recruiting around, like your Mississippi State, your old Misses, all of these schools that were vying for Travis Hunter, Florida State would be like, look. Had you come to our school, you would have gotten drafted high. And they would use that as a recruiting tool. So even though they're not saying it, you're dead on. They have to make sure this particular kid pans out and becomes a first-round draft pick, if not a second-round draft pick. He has to be an All-American on, you know, as a receiver or a corner or as a returner, has to be in a high-profile all-star game, has to tear up the combine. He has to pan out. 
it's almost like when uh, the first guys integrated, you know, these SEC schools. They had to pan out. They had to be great. Otherwise, they would have used them as an example to not go back to where they were and get more guys like them. So even though they're not talking about it, I feel like the, the undue pressure, the silent pressure is that, yo, if, if he doesn't pan out, we won't ever get another five-star to come through these doors. Emory Hunt, football game plan, our guest here on 3 and Out. Emory, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Emory Hunt joining us here. Does a great job covering football uh, all year long there with football game plan. But, uh, Ben, it's kind of interesting you said, you know, Dion has done a lot to elevate the reputation of his program and, and others. But Dion is always also, he's there. He's like, hey, I'm Coach Prime is always going to be there. <laughs> kind of one of those deals. As you said, what's kind of your thought as we see this thing develop uh, there with Dion and, and Jackson State? I think Dion is uh, he's pushing the envelope, Kevin, because I think he's doing things nobody has ever done. Like Dion is saying, "Look, man, we're not gonna have we're not gonna have the best facilities in college football, but I want to have the best facilities at HBCUs. We might not have, uh, you know, we've never." He said, "When it comes to recruiting HBCUs, he was on." A podcast, he says, did any of you guys, you know, he's talking about a bunch of guys that went D1. He said, any of you guys get recruited by HBCUs? They go, no. He goes, actually, you did. They just didn't say anything to you. Like, they didn't come to you and say, hey, man, they didn't say if this don't work out with this school, come to this school. They said, come here. Not if it don't work out over there. And I think what, what he's doing is when you get a Travis Hunter, think about it. There are most D1 schools ain't getting five-star recruits. You definitely ain't sure. getting the number one, number two. But this is the thing about Dion. Dion knows that, look, man. I've been on brand since I came out of Florida State. Since I said that, you know, if Detroit draft me, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a charge so much money, they're going to have to put me on layaway. I mean, we've been calling him, he went from prime to player to coach prime, right? But he's also keeping the attention. Like he goes, look, man, I told Sports Illustrated, man, why ain't y'all got no HBCU on the front? Well, you think you should be on the front? Yeah. I think he asked the questions that other teams, like you mentioned, when uh, Emory said TSU, you know who went to TSU? Oprah. Eddie George. Future Hall of Famer, call Oprah, get it cut. Hey man, you want to win? This is how you win, you know. You t- and I think that what what he's doing is he's saying, look, before you can do anything, you got to boost the profile. If you want to sell your house, you're gonna have to do some things to it. Probably have to paint the inside. Probably have to get new carpeting. Probably have to get new appliances. Why? Because I'm trying to appeal to the consumer. Well, if you ain't appealing to the to the you know if you ain't appealing to these alumni to these boosters, it's gonna stay the way it is now. Jack, you would think Jack Jackson State did not win the celebration, bro. They got beat up on by, by South Carolina State. But guess sure. what? South Carolina State had a moment. Jackson State has everything else. Man, we getting the players. Well, listen, listen, we getting the prestige. We getting the attention. We getting the exposure. And Deion said, look, I'm using what I got. I'm a former Hall of Famer. I'm the greatest, uh, not even I'm I'm the greatest cornerback to ever play. I got an instant brand. I'm known more. In uh, college rankings, most college coaches walk in the building unless they top SEC coaches or Dabo Sweeney or, or, or you know, maybe maybe like a Lincoln Riley. You don't know him. And you go, oh, that's Deion Sanders. <laughs> so I just think he's using what he has. And, hey, man, until everybody else step up to the plate and do that, man, you're going to be you're gonna be following suit. And we've got more to come here on 3 Out Home Team. Brandon Leak will join us coming up final hours. The Braves, 11-game win streak. We'll get to him uh, coming up in Hour 3. It is 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Final hour of three and out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. Streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com. Also, you can catch us live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Go to ESPNCoastal 
on YouTube, and you can watch us live there as well. So much to get to. Uh, ben, home team Brandon Leak will join us. We'll talk some Braves baseball with him as the Braves on an 11-game win streak, looking to make it 12 tonight against the uh, the Washington Nationals and really playing some good ball. So we'll chat with him coming up here in uh, about 15 minutes. Kevin, I mean, uh, look, don't look now, but uh, the NL East, right? I mean, it's starting to heat up. Well, it, it's been heated up, but I think that we said this. We said, look, with everything that was done in the offseason, whereas that's the momentum coming off the World Series of the Braves, is that spending all the money on Scherzer, you know, uh, you know, you spend all the money on Scherzer, add them, you go over there with the Grom, and obviously you got the firepower or the or the you know uh, or the uh, the super the superstar power of the Phillies. This Braves team said, "Look, man, we are still the hunted, regardless of where we are right now." Kevin, you said if they could just get the three or four, eleven in a row is hard to do in baseball. I don't care who you are. But the fact that the Braves are, look, I mean, they understood the assignment. They understood that, look, we have to keep pace by setting the pace. They getting it done. But if you are the mess right now, don't look now. But look, man, every time we go to sleep, man, they be driving through the night. Why? Because I can see him. Ronald Cooney Jr. walked by me today eating some chips like this. I don't know what he said, but I think he said we coming for y'all. I don't know what he said, but shout out to them Braves getting it done. And isn't it great for a guy like Ronald Cooney to not have to be the guy every night? He's the guy now. Make no mistake about it. But Adam Duvall, have yourself a day, sir. And Kevin, yep. I'm going to say this until the end of the season. 2021 infield for the Braves was the greatest we've ever seen of any infield for the Braves. Can this infield, you know, outdo 2021? I mean, still yet to be seen. Yeah, they got, they got a little bit of work to do, I think. But, I mean, Austin Riley's on pace for, I saw this today, uh, the way he's playing. He's on pace for mid-40s uh, in home runs. That is a, a mammoth year. Uh, Dansby Swanson is starting to come alive with the bat. He plays gold glove level defense. I heard some of the announcers talking about, hey, obviously, we'll see what happens. But Dansby trying to get some all-star cred going uh, there at shortstop, and why not? I think Ozzy is a consummate pro uh, there at, uh, at second base. He kind of streaky with a home run ball, but that is a guy that is becoming one of the leaders of the team. And Matt Olson, I think, uh, Ben, for all of uh, everybody getting on him about certain things, He's done a good job of filling in for Freddie Freeman. I mean, he's not Freddie Freeman, right? Mm-hmm. One of the one, one of the best Braves icons of the past 30 years, Freddie Freeman. He's not going to be that guy. And guess what? He'll probably never be that guy because, as you like to tell people, Ben, his name is Matt Olson. If he was like Freddie Freeman, his name would be Freddie Freeman, right? He's a, he's a different guy. Uh, but look what he brings to the plate. I think he's up there in the National League in terms of doubles, maybe be leading the National League in terms of doubles. I'm starting to see a little bit more of the home run ball come out of him. Defense was a little shaky, but since they had that team meeting after a uh, horrible loss in Arizona, of which he was a part of that with some some horrible defense, he's kind of turned it around. So uh, Travis Darno, I don't think you doubt his credentials. So, Ben, you look at it and say, look, yeah, this is a an infield that was really good last year. You lost... The face. I don't know if you lost the heart and soul of the infield defense, but you lost the face of it, and you're still just as good. I, I, I think defensively now, if Matt Olson comes through and, you know, at the end of the year has 40 home runs and, you know, Ozzy's got up there and Dansby's getting close to 30, I, I think you're going to start pushing and say, what we saw last year was great. What we saw this go around with Matt Olson might be a little bit better. Uh, now that probably goes along with the continued improvement of a guy like Austin Riley Ben, but, yeah, this team is is amazing and fun to watch. And that's really with a guy that 
uh, in this lineup, I don't know that the Braves know what to do with in Marcelo Zuna because you can't play him in the outfield. He's just, again, not a great defensive player. When he's hitting, he's good. When he's not, you know, I think the Braves were like more of a rotational guy at DH, and unfortunately you can't do that uh, with, with Marcel because you just cannot play the field. So I think Michael Harris coming up has been a revelation. I mean, you want to talk about not knowing anything but winning. I don't know. Maybe they lost one, but I don't know if they've lost a whole lot mm-hmm. since he showed up at the big league level. Mm-hmm. And that, along with Acuna, you put Duvall over in left field where he can play adequately has made a big difference for them as well. So one little spark, one little change, uh, and this team has kind of taken off. I don't think solely because of Michael Harris, but he filled a need for them, and that I think allowed everybody else to kind of flourish in what they were doing. Yeah, and but, uh, but a huge need. And I, I, I can't say this, Kevin. When I'm watching the Braves now, you know, it's funny. Really, really good teams, you can't tell where their holes are. We know that Marcelo Zuna is, you know, uh, is a liability. He knows that he's a liability, but – I think the thing about him is he makes so much money. You start, I said, well, look, man, I mean, you know, he's warranted the money. And for him to even still be a break, like the Braves have overcome so much stuff. Like two things we don't even talk about because how well the Braves are playing, right? Number one, Marcelo Zuna was not, was, was, was people were saying, well, is he, is he even going to be on the Braves in 2022? Got past that. We ain't even talking about Mike Soroka. Like that's how well the Braves are playing. You're going to get him back. At a certain point. Now, I do agree, Kevin, whatever they was doing with Ron Lacuna, I agree they got to do that with uh, with Mike Sroka. Because once again, I mean, give Alex Anthopoulos a lot of credit. Like, people will say, they said, look, man, I don't know about every farm system in, in baseball. I know the Braves were. I don't know. The Braves know when to call. Because it's more, it's bigger than just recruiting guys or, you know, having big prospects. When do you call them up? I don't know if there's a good time. Michael Harris is looking around saying, dude, I mean, I'm looking at I'm looking at center field like, you know, I could definitely help. And obviously, Kevin, it's something you said about Michael Harris is do he do you not send him back down? Like, do do you I'm, not I'm not. I mean, because like you said, it's like Michael Harris knows this. Whatever whatever he gives you I mean, I'm not telling him that. No, 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 no. But no, I mean, no, no, no. Uh, yeah. But, but uh, now, now if you snit, you got to play the mind games of, hey man, I'm you know, I'm gonna need you to have better play to play. Because the thing about pros that people don't get is you always got to push that button a little bit because you always got to let them know. Now, it's like this. What what Snit says about Michael Harris at home, he can't say it in person. Like <laughs> He's like, listen, I need better plate appearance. All right, coach, my bad. Oh, my God. Did you see that catch today? Yeah. But, so it's, it's kind of like that. But he's so special defensively. Like like I said, Andrew. If, look, if Andrew Jones said you're a good center fielder, you're a good center fielder. That's it. Andrew Jones is having to be in the house. I mean, Michael Harris, he's – He's slapping the ball in his in his in his freaking glove. He that one he ran down. I mean, he had he had to get on his wheels. He had to really stretch out. Andrew Jones was like, whoa, he got to that? And he caught it. Love, it's loving the addition. And he's 21 years young. <laughs> so all I'm saying is right now, Kevin, when you think about this Braves team and what they're doing, they're controlling what they can control. They're building the confidence. Listen, it takes talent to be bad teams. It takes yeah. confidence to be good teams. I mean, I think outside of Darno and Duval, the entire starting lineup is sub thirty. Them boys, young they got boys, a long, I mean, young, I'm young, just saying, young, young boys making that cheese. They have done a uh, done mean, a good job they, of constructing they, they, they that roster. Job. And once again, I, I give Snit a lot of credit. Snit goes, put it all on me, right? I'm, you don't listen. You don't know if Snit happy or sad. His facial expression is pretty much the same, no matter what. But. What what they're doing, Kevin, is they're saying, look, we're making sure the rest of the division knows we're not going anywhere. 
If you the NL East and the Braves aren't contending, it seems a little off. But now they are contending. The Phillies are like, hey, man, I know the Braves trying to catch the Mets. We trying to keep pace with the Braves before we even think about the Mets. But five and a half games out, control what they can control. Kevin, the bat seemed to be on fire. I mean, you ain't. I mean, so much so you ain't even really worried about what Marcel is or isn't in the outfield. Matt Olson, like you mentioned, is coming around. Austin Riley, dude. People was thinking, dude. Okay, you had an MVP type season. How do you? What I? I'm I'm prefacing this now. What Aaron Judge is for the Yankees. I'm trying to tell you. I'm not saying. I'm <laughs> not saying Austin Riley is Aaron care, Judge. Careful. Calm down. But he can mash. He can. And Kevin, we was thinking, is he just going to be a mash and not be? But dude, he. Really, really solid defense, but if he get a hold of it, if he get a hold of that thing, oh, it's out of here. And Ronald Cunha Jr., what can you say that haven't been said? I mean, he can be as good as he want to be. He hitting home runs. Look like he's slashing at the ball, still going. This kid is amazing. But, look, listen, but Ozzy, keep doing what you do. Because Ozzy, go, look, man, I know y'all want to make jokes with a little low high fives or whatever. But call me Mr. <laughs> that Grand was pretty good. But call me Mr. Grand Slam, but don't call me at all. If you missed it, that was <laughs> funny. Like, they had the, the post-game headshake line. And Travis Darno's high five everybody, and he gets to Ozzy and squats down. He's like, "Hey, little buddy," gives him a high five and uh, and stand back. But as you said, Ben, that's a sign of a good clubhouse that they could do uh, of course, you know, that kind of stuff. Gotta, don't take, don't take. Listen, every everything is better when you win. The jokes are funnier, you know. <laughs> I mean, everything is. But when you lose, it. So y'all didn't tell any funny jokes in Tennessee, then? Huh? Oh my God, man! We, <laughs> we, we, that's all we had. We might as well laugh. Right? I mean, we used, we used to come back on. Listen, listen. I, 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 I'm not going to say what they were drinking, but when we used to come back for uh, away games, just say, you know, I was sober, the pilot was sober, the co-pilot was sober, the stewardess was sober, and that's all I can speak for. Can't really speak for nobody else. And and yes, we did travel uh, with with the news people, so they in the back going, "Can we? Can we? We got to cover y'all." <laughs> Somebody get us a win out here. And next thing you know, somebody just happened to put something here. Go ahead, take a, take a sip. We ain't got no ice. We ain't got no ice. <laughs> we got more to come. Home team, Brandon Lee going to join us here on 3 and Out. Hit us up on Twitter, at Pigskin Radio. You can also see us uh, live there on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Go to our YouTube channel, ESPN Coastal, and you can uh, watch us every day. Or uh, if you missed the show, go to ESPN Coastal on uh, YouTube, and you can watch the, uh, the show once we are done there as well. It is 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on 3 and Out. Braves in the middle of an 11-game win streak uh, from the depths of despair. Ten and a half back behind those uh, low, low stinking Mets to now just five and a half back uh, of the Mets going up against the Washington Nationals tonight. Joining us here on the program, host of the Locker Room on 680, the fan home team. Brandon Leak joins us. Home team, welcome. How are you? Yeah, Ben, thanks for having me. What a difference a, a couple of weeks make, right? Uh, the Braves hadn't won three games in a row all season long, and their first kind of prolonged win streak goes to 11 games, maybe 12 tonight. Uh, what do you see as the difference? What was the, the trigger, and was it as simple as, hey, you, you started playing defense in center field? I think everybody came out of a slump. I think pretty much you had the same guys last year albeit, you know, the guys that came in at the end of the trade deadline who really gave us the push at the end of the season. Uh, but you had the same team basically coming back, and everybody was in a slump at different points. And then you throw in the fact that Eddie Rosario had his eye injury. Ronald Acuna Jr. came in late trying to recover from his ACL surgery, and then he goes back out of the lineup. And then you have, uh, you know, Marcelo Zuna having a tough time with the outfield, so defense superstars missing, outfielders missing, 
And finally, it just feels like everybody came out of a slump at one time. And boy, was it the right time against teams that you should be doing this. You're almost perfect against teams that have poor records. And this is a great chance for the Braves to even cut further into the Mets lead in the NL East. And Brandon, when you think about a guy, you know, like like a Michael Harris that uh, that Kevin was alluding to, I mean, how well he just shored up uh, this, uh, you know, center field. I mean, making th- making catches. That even uh, Andrew Jones was at the game saying, "Wow, did you see that catch?" Do is there any chance if he goes into a slump at the plate, they even think about sending him back down? You know what, Ben? It's an interesting question because you know the question of bringing him up was that the moment might be too big for him. You didn't want Major League pitching to maybe ruin him or break down his confidence if he didn't start off on a great note. I think you keep a guy like him around. I think he was ready to go. He was certainly ready for the moment. You clearly didn't have anything to lose when you brought Michael Harris up, and he's shown that he can deliver with his glove, with his wheels, getting on base, being able to score. So even if he isn't lighting it up at the plate, he still provides the Braves with opportunities to win games and help them be in position to score runs. And I don't know, even if he goes through a slump, I think you have to let him go through a major league slump. Now, you don't want him like Christian Pache when he gets down to the 100s, but certainly if he goes through a small slump and he's given the opportunity to get out of it, I just think if he goes into a slump, give him a chance to swing his way out of it and let the other attributes he brings to the team shine brighter than maybe what he's doing at the plate. Home team Brandon Leak joining us here on 3 and Out and uh, ben and I were talking about this as you, you take a step forward. Obviously, unenviable job for Matt Olson to try to replace Freddie Freeman. And the infield the Braves put together last year might be one of the best collective infields we've seen. Is this one potentially better at the end of the day? Uh, are they on that track? Well, I think Matt Olson wasn't a right-now deal. He was a long-term deal. They signed him to an eight-year contract. So with the whole saga with Freddie Freeman leaving and Matt Olson replacing him, I think a lot of expectations were that he was going to be exactly like Freddie Freeman. And, you know, who knows? Their numbers were similar. Uh, he's younger than Freddie. But him coming to the Braves and delivering isn't for this season or to be immediately be what Freddie Freeman was the last decade in Atlanta. It's a long-term deal. He's been in a, an interesting situation because – You know, he's hitting a lot of doubles. He wasn't cranking the ball out of the ballpark, but then he and everybody else has started to get loose, and now he's hitting meaningful balls to the outfield, meaningful doubles. A lot of his doubles were coming in late innings, and nobody was on base, and nobody was scoring. Now they mean something, and then the home run, he cranks to the deepest part of Truist Park. Those are meaningful home runs that are helping the Braves win games, and I think he's just fine. I don't think anybody needs to rush him, and I don't think he needs any – extra pressure on him. Just let him go out and play, and his numbers will speak for themselves. When you think about the, when you think about a Mets team, it's obviously five in the game, five and a half games uh, you know, up uh, into the division. You think about the Braves. How much better does it make them play when they understand that, one, we only can control what we can control, but we, what, we seem to play better when we're chasing something, even if we have uh, won in at least the last four years? Well, I think their backs were against the wall. I mean, they, they, the Braves were teetering. I mean, you're ten and a half games out. In June, that's something that looks like, you know, where the Kansas City Royals might be. You're in a bad place if you're double digits down. And, you know, if that thing gets to 12 games, Ben, you know, you have to really start looking at what you're able to realistically do. So I think that the run Braves have made have put a lot of pressure on the Mets. And the beauty of it is you still have to play those guys 19 times the rest of the way. So I think doing a lot of this work early, 
getting out of the hole that the Braves were in early and putting themselves in position for one to walk down the Mets for the National League East title. But if not, put yourself in position to be the wild card leader and put yourself in a position where you know you can play good baseball, even if it is too much of a hill to climb to catch the Mets. Home team, Brandon Leak joining us here on Three and Out. Home team, obviously been around ATL a long time. I, you know, I grew up in Metro Atlanta watching the, uh, you know, the '80s Braves into the '90s and the runs that they've made. A lot of stars have come through the system. Have we ever seen anybody like Ronald Acuna Jr. from a star standpoint, and what he could potentially come could become in the city of Atlanta? Because again, his skill set. I mean, you could talk about the Dave Justices and the Ron Gantz and the Chipper Jones. I don't know that we've ever seen a player like that wearing an Atlanta Braves uniform. No. Um, you know, when you talk about the way the Braves do things, you have had great players throughout the annals of Braves history. But this guy in this era, and that's where media attention is on you 24-7, uh, viral videos, people all over the country immediately can see what you're doing his smile, his infectiousness, and his soft. He plays the game a little bit different than baseball, differently than baseball has been played uh, forever. He's the guy that's taking the Euro step around third when he hits the home run. He's the guy looking, you know, into his dugout when he hits a big home run. So, you know, helping to change the game and at the same time be on the forefront of players who are always looked at and scrutinized, yeah, he, he could be unique because of the style of play and the style of delivering that he's able to deliver on a regular basis. And even sticking with that, uh, you know, Brandon, isn't he the exception, though? Like, everybody, like, I get it. Baseball, traditionalists, they they don't want you staring down at the pitcher. They don't want you bat flipping. They want you to act like you've been here before. But to every rule, there is an exception. Deion Sanders was the exception with how, how well he played when he played, not even in Atlanta, but the DB position. When you think about a guy, you know, like a LeBron and what he brings to the table, he does it a little bit different, even though he is one of the best to ever do it. Ronald Acuna Jr. is not American. How much bigger do you think his star would be if, obviously, he was American from a standpoint of being able to, uh, to speak English? Because, obviously, he's, he's still resonating doing the, doing the uh, ice tray, uh, doing the LeBron, uh, doing the sidestep, doing the stir it up. Have you, I, know, I know you talked about what, what he brings to the table, but the fact that he's doing it and he can't even speak English, which I know he, he's speaking a little bit more. Though. I've seen some of these post-game press conferences. I mean, how, how, how great do you think this guy is going to end up being when it's all said and done? Yeah, I think he is a guy who could be special if he keeps this up, and especially the way he's fought through injury early. I think that shows you he's not somebody who's a malingerer or a prima donna. Um, you know, and I think the other thing is, look, nobody likes a jerk. Nobody likes a jerk. There's nothing that says jerk about Ronald Acuna Jr. When he's celebrating, when he's bat flipping, when he's holding a bat, when he's doing a LeBron, when he's doing the ice tray, he's looking into his dugout and celebrating with his teammates. He's not showing up or taunting the other team or the other pitcher that gave it up. And the you know proverbial, if you don't like it, then get him out or walk him is the way I feel about it. And he, I don't think he's doing anything that's disrespectful to the game. I think what it is going to do is change the culture and the mindset of baseball. And I think as time goes on, we're going to see a lot more celebrations. Um, as far as his uh, ability to, to be one of the all-timers, you know, I think if he maybe if he spoke English a, a little bit more, it would make him a little bit more uh, accessible, you know, to, to late-night TV shows and that kind of thing where he gets, you know, mega fast stage 
um, you know, a platform to, 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 to be, you know, an ambassador for the Braves. But I think it also goes to show you don't have to speak English if you let your bat, your play, your clubhouse demeanor, how you are uh, walking around the city, how you treat fans speak for you. And overall, people want to see people they believe in, give them hope, and give them a good product when they go see play. So Ronald Acuna Jr., you know, is going to be a special player. And I think the only thing you have to be concerned with him now, after everything he's shown, is just health. Can he stay healthy? Can he play a lot of games and a lot of seasons to come? I think that's the only question that Ronald Acuna Jr. has to answer. Yeah, and, and just uh, one more follow-up to, to that end where you said, hey, he's not a, a, a guy that comes across like a jerk at a home team. How many guys in his position, his stature in the game, his flair for the game would have, uh, to, to use Ben's terminology, been out at the mound diving on somebody as much as he gets hit, especially as much as he's been hit by one team, yet he's managed to kind of keep that in perspective too and just kind of roll with it for the most part. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I, I think that's a question I would love to ask him because some of it he doesn't like. He does crowd the plate a little bit, but, you know, there's, there's been a, a, a double whammy with that. One, the Braves have just haven't retaliated. Uh, when he is hit and beamed at the plate. The other thing is, he hasn't run out to the mound. You know, if you really have a problem with a guy in baseball, you know, it's only 60 feet, six inches for you guys to have a conversation about it and figure out what you want to do. So he isn't a guy that charges the mound. He isn't a guy who, again, I think comes across as a prima donna. He plays the game hard. He just plays with a lot of energy and a lot of sauce, and some people don't like it. And the problem is they're going to have to continue to not like it because I don't think there's anything people can do to stop this guy as he has clearly shown he is one of the best baseball players in the game right now. And, Brandon, I mean, finally, you know, you think about Snit and Alex Anthopoulos, right? I, I just keep going back, you know, to five years ago now. You think about uh, the front office that's, uh, that Alex Anthopoulos inherited. You think about a guy like Snit who was in the organization for so many years. A lot of times when you hire from within, people think it doesn't work because he, you know, total different era of players – has anybody been as successful as this, as this pair has been, especially when uh, a team like Atlanta that has to deal with the Dodgers, they got to deal with Houston, they got to deal with the Yankees, they got to deal you know, with the Mets and the Phillies and the Nats, but yet they four for four as far as like the NL East, defending World Series champs. Has anybody been as successful as this duo has been? How many times do you get burned? That's what you look at. You know, the, the, the Braves have only been burned a couple of times, and really it wasn't Alex Anthopoulos' fault. I mean, Cole Hamels came in couple of years ago and clearly the, it was over and he took the money and he wasn't physically able to do it um king felix uh was getting a shot in spring training a couple of years ago and didn't make it so the Braves just have not been burned by decisions i mean josh donaldson when he made a move worked out knitting uh the different personalities that have to come in and he has to manage they seem to work out uh, whatever's working on with uh, marcelo zuna and his off the field issues they've been able to get over that they don't have many disasters, and these guys, and I think Brian Sticker, if there was a, a, a manager of the year award for halfway through the season, it would have to be him with all of the lineup changes, all of the shifting he had to do with the outfield, and, and, and still find himself now right in the middle of a playoff race. I, I think this guy and this duo is certainly one that can do a lot of things, and they have worked out well as a tandem the last few years. Home team, Brandon Leak, our guest. Home team, quickly before we let you go, I know we're getting to that time of the year with all-star voting. Realistically, coming off a World Series, I know some guys had a slump. How many of the guys do you see off this team possibly uh, getting an all-star call? Great question. You know, with Brian Snitker being the manager of the National League, 
you have to wonder if one Brave or two Braves might go. I, I would automatically put in Max Freed the way uh, he has been dominating, but certainly you have to be fair to all of the other players. And I don't think it's crazy to look at Dansby Swanson right now. If you, if you look at Dansby's numbers, uh, coupled with his awful start with all the strikeouts he was having at the beginning of the season, he has really turned things around. He is one of the best hitting shortstops in all of baseball. If it's a close situation and Brian Sticker has to bring a brave on, I don't think it's crazy talk to say that Dansby Swanson should be out there with an all-star patch on representing the Braves in L.A. Home team, Brandon Leak, our guest, 680 The Fan, host of the Locker Room. Home team, appreciate it as always. Thanks much. Anytime, guys. Home team, Brandon Leak, joining us here on 3 and Out Braves and the Nationals tonight. Got a little late-breaking news. Uh, he was supposed to pitch tomorrow, uh, Ben, for the Nationals, but Steven Strasburg going on the IL. Oh, now so, Steven, wait, wait a minute. That, that's 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 breaking breaking news. Like Steven Strauss going on the IL. He never goes on the IL. Yeah, <laughs> I know. At, just... at the end of the day, we, we when we when we look back back at baseball camp, we talk about the curious case of one player. I've never seen a player be handled the way that Strasburg has. Now, the one year he did play the full year, they won the freaking World Series. Obviously, they look around like, well, I mean, it ain't looking too good for us right now. But he's going on the IL. Hey, man. I don't, that's what. Listen, I'm a Braves. Uh, listen, I'm a Braves enthusiast. I cover the Braves. It's got to be infuriating to cover the Nats when you got to deal with the fact that every day is he's coming back. No, he's gone. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's, he's he's going it's back to the IA. It's certainly been a uh, up and down injury situation there for Steven Strasburg. But he was supposed to pitch tomorrow for uh, Washington. Not going to happen now. He's going to the IL. We'll come back. We'll get you ready for Braves and Nationals. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on 3 and Out on this Monday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, counting you up towards Braves and Nationals. Ian Anderson, Josiah Gray, your pitching matchup uh, tonight, coming up here in just a couple of minutes. So we'll have it for you, 5.50 with the pregame coverage uh, coming up here this evening. NBA Finals game 5 tonight as well. Ben Troop, our good buddy AC, is back to tell us quickly, and I do mean quickly, about the, uh, the NBA Finals. What's up, AC? Good afternoon. Well, I'll make it quick for you guys. If the Boston Celtics loses tonight, do you think the season's all pretty much over? Let me get your reaction. Thank you so much for taking my call. Well, that was quick. Hey, that, hey, that, that was hey, quick. He got in. He got out. No, I meant quickly in the way he talks, <laughs> not necessarily. In the, but no, I, do you th- I mean, if Boston wins, yeah. you think it's over? Uh, well, if if whichever whoever wins game, whoever wins game final, I think it's over either way. If 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 Golden State wins tonight, I think they get to, they get to celebrate in the Garden. Uh, you know, it, when they go back, when they go back to Boston, Boston went because I think what it is, uh, you know, Kevin, the problem is now it's it's always gone, you know, uh, you know, one win, you know, then another team, one team and another team. Now it's can look, it's Boston ready for the moment? Because Kevin, remember, see, see how like we we kept saying, go to state that's been here before. This is what there are their six finals uh, appearance. Um, Steph Curry is trying to get, you know, uh. You know, trying to win the fourth, win the fourth ring. Tatum, Smart, Brown. If you want to go to iconic status, you win for Boston. Now I know LA fans don't want to hear that because I think Boston and LA kind of going neck and neck with them titles. But yes, Kevin, if Golden State finds a way to get a big dub in San Francisco in the Chase Arena, I think that all the pressure. Because the thing is this: if Steph Curry gave us forty-three points, went off, showed a vintage Steph. But 
Young Legs, Young Legs versus 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 uh you know versus that uh that that veteran leadership of a Steph Curry, that veteran you know that that tenacity of Draymond. If if the Celtics can match the energy in that arena of Draymond of those fans. Of the moment, I think Boston got a good shot. But, Kevin, ain't finna be no comeback tonight. I'm tired of the old team up by 15, end up losing by 10. Team down by 10, end up winning by 14. I think that it's, if, if Boston can, can withstand the onslaught that is coming from the Warriors, they got a shot. But if Steph Curry with the shot, show what he did. Ooh, Lord, if he, if, he, if he looks like he did in game five, and uh, like he did in game four and game five, it is going to be lights out for them Celtics. But that's why we watch. For everybody that thought this was going to be a pushover, you better guess again. 2-2. Two, two. I mean, I, it's me personally, I hope it goes 7. Because <laughs> the game 7, it really don't matter, even though it will be back in San Francisco. Well, I mean, Boston already has the empty banner right on the back of the shirt. Remember that? Kevin, like, you said it. You I know. Said, it's like, hey, yeah, you we may it. not be back. Ke- listen, Kev- Ke- listen, Kevin was operations manager for a day in Boston. No, I was like, nah, and that's Kevin, bad karma. Kevin goes in and goes, what is this? Didn't I tell? Didn't I tell y'all? Yeah, you don't do and, stuff and, like. and then they go, "How many's out? We've already put them all out. Every seat." That's just bad karma in my estimation. Oh, I got I, I, Why would you put a shirt out and we say, "Hey, listen, we got we one more"? We don't I get it, but we don't believe in curses. We don't believe in you know, uh, you know. I don't believe in cur- but karma is a thing. Car- curses, no, with a C. Karma, K. Yes, we do. No, believe but see, it. but karma, I get, there's a difference. Uh-huh. A curse is not real; it's made up. Karma is something. It's like, look. Good and bad karma follow you around. I don't know what how to define all that, but look, if you go out there saying we're chalking up that we got a banner left to, that usually doesn't go well, right? Finish the game. Then we can talk about we have to go Tennessee baseball. We the bad boys on the block. Mm-hmm. Hey, we just want we're going to flip you off womp, around womp, on the bases. Womp, womp. We're going to argue. We're going to do that. <laughs> karma came around. Ain't no fun gotcha. when the rabbit got the gun. I'm just saying it, 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 it ain't. It I'm, ain't. I'm just saying there there but is Kevin, there is the karma. Out is there. Is, listen, finish the game. No, no, no. Finish the finish the race. Yeah, because every listen, you the, was a, the, the what the tortoise and the hare situation. All I'm saying oh, yeah. is this: in the Super Bowl, Aaron Donald was just playing regular. Nobody's bothering him. He hits Joe Burrow out of bounds, and the worst offensive line to ever play in the Super Bowl started pushing him on the sideline. And, and we go up and and there and how and how did he play after that? Yep. Could have easily been Super Bowl MVP. Shout out to Cooper Cup, who just got his new deal. Shout out to everybody. If you want your money, go play for the Rams. They, they are not working with the same salary cap. Oh, they're, as the rest no, of the no they're in there with calculators and uh, <laughs> everything else. Right? Hey, if we do this, listen, man, we're gonna give you a, we're gonna give you a fifty nine million dollar signing bonus. You're gonna play for one million. Let's do it <laughs> right now. <laughs> hey, however you make the math work out, I guess is how we're making ma- make the math work out. So yeah, we got uh, game five in the NBA tonight, Boston and Golden State. Ah. I, I don't think if you're Boston, it ain't over till you get four wins. You ain't lying. Don't, I mean, don't play uh, with them. Uh, uh, again, if you were playing somebody else other than a team that had recently been in a bunch of these and won a bunch of these, I would say, okay, maybe you kick a team and they, they, they get down to themselves and you can put them away. It ain't over against a team like Golden State till you got four wins. The end. I mean, that's all. So, Boston wins tonight. You gotta get, we still got to get one more. You still got to get one more. Listen, you want to be great? Be, you know, be, uh, be, be one of the, be one of the, uh, one of the best dynasties in basketball. Like I said about the Golden State Warriors, they didn't have much of a legacy before before Steph sure. and company got there. Had so, about what Chris Mullen and mm-hmm, Chris Mullen and uh, <laughs> ooh, I mean uh, uh, Tim Hardaway, you know, That's right. with, the, with the killer crossover and all. But now, Kevin, now it's like, look, somebody's saying Steph Curry is the LeBron of his era. If he gets the four, hey man, people thought he was done. Yeah. 
And all I'm saying is 30-something years old versus a bunch of 20-something year olds. We'll see what happens. Yeah. And again, maybe the young legs went out at the end. Appreciate home team Brandon Leak joining us here this hour. Also, Emory Hunt, football game plan, joined us back in hour number two. If you missed any of the show, ESPNCoastal.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Go to our YouTube channel, ESPN Coastal. You can catch the show there as well. Braves and Nats going for 12 in a row tonight. Ben, Ian Anderson going to get the guy that takes the ball against Josiah Gray, 6-4 and four, for Washington. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Good, bad, or hopefully we're talking about 12 in a row when we join you tomorrow. It's 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Braves coming up next.